This program contains mature subject matter. Including maladjusted youth, masochistic hillbillies, and the excitement of the price is right. It may be deemed inappropriate for our younger viewers. Viewer discretion advised. I would like, if I may, to take you on a strange journey. <laughs> I can put on these glasses or start eating that trash can. You maniacs! What is a man? When we are successful, we will be. We had a real chance with this. We read of Alexander the Great, dead at 30 under the walls of Babylon. Caesar, assassinated at the foot of Pompey's column. We see Napoleon, dying of cancer on the island of St. Helena. We see Hitler, committing suicide in a bunker in Berlin. We see Mussolini, and a lamppost in northern Italy. The path of glory leads but to the grave. Therefore, there is some reason why these various mistakes that people make individually and collectively have a consequence which is unavoidable. We are told in the Bible that cause and effect follow each other. Therefore, wherever there is a causation of catastrophe, and that causation is not transmuted, then evil is not corrected, then in the due course of time, the catastrophe comes. It is unavoidable. And down inside of ourselves, we know this, but we do not want to admit it. Each individual wants to be an exception to the law of cause and effect, but no one is an exception. And unless the individual builds his life upon integrities, he is going to inevitably come into conflict with law, not man-made law necessarily, but the law governing life itself. Well, there are principles in the universe which cannot be violated. We have placed profit above integrity. We have placed uh, the struggle of competition as an inevitable truth and cooperation as a dim idealistic uncertainty. As a result of that, we have created in each department where we have compromised principles the beginnings of a story that will end in an Armageddon. In every case, we finally come face to face with the facts. We either meet them or fail. If we meet them, we have achieved the purpose of life, which is victory over weakness. If we fail to meet them, then as far as this life is concerned, 
we have failed regardless of how much wealth, fame, or authority we have accumulated through the corruption of principles. And this is episode 38 of Behind the Schemes for March 29th, 2021. This is Boo Berry, and tonight I'm joined by the sultry, sweet sounds of the uh, West Coast beat wizard, Lavish. How you doing, bud? Oh, Mr. Booberry, I'm doing so well. Oh. So nice to be here. So nice to talk to you. Yeah, and everything just sounds phenomenal tonight. I, I think it's uh I think I think the stars have aligned, my dude. Yeah, I think we've got a pretty full moon in the sky. Uh, I think uh all the traditional things are, are in place. Uh it's fantastic. And I love that intro. That was fantastic. Who yeah. who was that speaking? Some, some Manly P. Hall. Of course. The great <laughs> The great Manly P. I should have known from the old timey, the uh, the old timey way. The the there's a way that people of that period talk. Right. That's it's like, uh, oh yeah. It's uh, there's a specific like uh, it's the New York sort of. Um, yeah, it's like New York, but also kind of Midwesty. Yeah. It's it's like it's it's classic American accent. Uh, it's it's Eisenhower. If you ever listen to like President Eisenhower, you know. The collective of the military and, you know, just the way that he talks is like that. Anyway. And then uh, we ended with everything that kind of ended on a question. (laughs) In the way that we as Americans will have victory over the enemy, you know, even though it's a sure thing, of course. Well, uh, speaking on the moon, I actually saved an article last night that Quarkus Pat uh, posted in one of the chats. And for anybody that wasn't aware, last night was the uh, full warm moon. God, that's hard. Full worm moon. And, worm moon. Uh, yeah. Ugh. The worm moon. Uh, it reached peak illumination at 2.50 on Sunday, March 28th. Um, it is the, uh, uh, this year, because it is the first full moon to occur after the spring equinox on March 20th, March's full moon is the Paschal, uh, full moon. This means that its date determines the date of Easter, April 4th, 2021. Uh, why is it called the worm moon? Because, uh, the full moon names used by the old farmer's almanac comes from a number of places, including native American, colonial American, and European sources. Um, and I was out there watching a lot last night and that fucker was big and bright and I was very much into it. Yeah. It was beautiful. Everybody loves it when, when that sort of, I was having trouble going to sleep. I got a big window right next to my bed and I was like, wow, what a great time, you know, party time. All right. Time to go to bed. One in the morning, two in the morning. And, uh, I couldn't get anything was right in my face. It was huge. It was bright. It was glorious. It was huge. Huge. I say. Huge. The biggest moon you've ever seen. Big Lee. The greatest moon. Probably <laughs> the best moon ever. <laughs> not oh, yeah. as not as good not as good as Joe Biden's moon. You know, he's got a good moon, but we had the best moon. <laughs> the best moon there's ever been. Okay, folks. So Oh boy. R.I.P. that guy. Let's see. Uh, they also refer to that moon as the Eagle Moon, uh, Goose Moon, Crow Comes Back Moon. That's the Northern Ojibwe. Uh, Sugar Moon, Windstrong Moon, Sore Eyes Moon. I like Sore Eyes Moon. Sore Eyes. Old Sore Eyes. Old Sore Eyes. That's pretty fucking rad. That's romantic as hell. Yeah. You want to see <laughs> Old Sore Eyes, gal? All right. Sorry. Oh, we, uh, we do have our tarot card that we normally draw. And just for you tonight, Lavish, I pulled out a very special deck. Would you like to know about my deck? 
I would love to know about your deck, Boobery. I pulled my Vampirella Tarot deck, and tonight's card... (laughs) (laughs) I love it. ...is the Seven of Swords. And if I was smarter, I would get better of uh, pulling these in advance. But, you know, we do what we can. We do what we can. Oh, God. My mom and my sister are total told brainiacs about this sort of thing they would tell us right away what that means the seven of swords yeah i I think this i'm looking because it's not the traditional art it's just a actually oh it's a custom deck yeah so they just pull pieces from uh from From vampirella (laughs) yeah from old comics and the whatnot Uh, but the original art is a guy he's carrying five swords and there's two stuck in the ground uh they call it a bundle in the in the in the book an unwise attempt to take what is not one's own unreliability, betrayal of confidence, insolence, and spying a plan that may fail flight from the consequences of a dishonorable act. Oh, wow. I'm, yeah. I'm seeing that deception getting away with it. Wow. And yeah. That's pretty, that's pretty shady. Let's see. Since we're, uh, since we're on the cutting edge of the 21st century, it's 21st century, right? Or is it? Yeah. Uh, Yes. Uh, it's not the 22nd century yet. We've uh, we've been working with Sir Spencer f- uh, from bowl after bowl, and we are now part of the Sphinx chat, which is the podcasting 2.0, 2.0 value for value. Uh, you can stream sets and, and little bits and pieces of Bitcoin. I'm having a blast with it. It's a lot of fun. You know, you, you can um, stream value to shows. You can uh, there's this Instagram sort of photo posting channel, which I'm very much about because it's just people sharing pictures back and forth. You can boost them, which mm-hmm. is essentially, you know, just a like that's been monetized. And, uh, I think it's going to go really far. And since we're, uh, since we're big brained here, I'm actually going to take the photo from tonight's tarot card. I'm going to post it in there and then I'll get it into the, uh, IRC chat. So everyone can check it out. Sweet. Um, but yeah, we got a lot of fun things as far as the uh, w- what the show's doing. I think coming up, um, we're still working on kind of getting a, a, a proper format assessed, as always. And uh, yeah, so that being said, we're going to change up again the format. Usually we find just a slew of stories to talk to for the first half and then kind of get into a, a topic a little heavier on the second half. But for tonight, we're going to do the same thing. For, for both portions, we're going to have two second half parts of show tonight. Yeah, second half of show, baby. Yeah, dude. And uh, you're familiar with one of them because I sent you the link. But tell me, what did you think about uh, <laughs> this Urban Sun project? Man, when you sent me that. So you go to the site, you go to this link that you sent me. And this Urban Sun thing, which is like... Immediately when you go on the site, it's a... Here, we'll post it in the chat, I suppose. You walk... It's like these people at night, they're in the city somewhere. And there's like this great glowing light coming out of the sky. Like like it's coming from a spaceship. And there's people like walking into it at the same time. It's very spooky. It's very creepy. But now the first thing I thought of was occultism. Now this thing is just reeking with occult symbolism, which... If you don't like, you know, we're talking about Manly P. Hall and stuff like that. He's got hours and hours and hours on the subject. If you want to check it out on YouTube or whatever. But the idea of like Lucifer being the the illuminated one, the false light and, uh, you know, Satan being uh, sort of a, a false god. Right. That's the uh, that's the metaphor or the allegory. The pretender. 
Yeah, the pretender, the, the false light. Or the artificial light is another way of putting it. Yeah, you know, the Saturn. sun being yeah, the sun and Saturn connection, Saturn's rings, you know, failing to emulate the glory of the sun. There, there's all kinds of angles to the story when you look into it, but this is like just on the nose so hard. <laughs> like a fake light, a fake sun in the night that cleanses you. You know, you walk into this light and it purifies you of this. You know disease that may or may not be <laughs> out and about. That's what immediately stuck out to me. What about you? It's uh, it, it just smacks you right in the face. If you know what to look for first, you have the Corona connection, Corona being crown, uh, the, that sort of the circular of the sun. Yeah. The Corona of the sun you see for like, uh, eclipses and shit like that. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, if anyone is a listener of MoFax, he's definitely dived in, uh, into the terminology behind urban. Um, and yeah, it's like, it's the, it's a second sun. It's kind of like a Saturnian sun because it's, it's also mimicking this ring that you see around the planet Saturn. Mm-hmm. Um, it's using, it looks uh, like an eclipse. It looks like a solar eclipse on the ground for sure. And it's not until people, uh, it, it's, you should go, if you're listening to this, watch the video because people are able to walk into this light and finally touch their loved ones for the first time. Uh, and I feel like I've actually got a, a clip where they kind of talk about that. People are just like so overjoyed that they're able to reclaim this connection with people, which is just fucking trauma based entertainment, if you ask me. Oh, it uses uh, programming of the highest evil degree. Of, here's here's if you a question to see for your you. loved one ever again, you know? Do you believe in, or do you think there's any credence to MK Ultra on a massive scale? Um, I, th- I think the simple answer is yes. I think that the way that the news can influence people to reject reality is, I don't know if I'd call it MK Ultra, but there's just a sign of, of some sort of magic, you know, where words have magic. And if you say it on TV, people believe it. Yep. And that's, that's pretty powerful stuff. Like you don't really need to go any further than that to have like a full blown, what we would call MK ultra brainwashing or, or whatever. But with MK ultra, there's the element of triggering, right? There's the element of like, you have a catalyst event that, that turn flicks a switch in people. That's kind of what MK ultra I thought was trying to accomplish. Well, I mean, that's, that's the argument that they made in uh, episode 60 of uh, MoFax monsters ball. Mm-hmm. Um, I believe it was Adam saying that uh, the oh my god, what the fuck is her name? Meghan Markle event was an MK Ultra activation for everybody mm-hmm. that was glued to Little Mermaid as a child growing up. <laughs> <laughs> a Disney time bomb, another Disney time bomb. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. There is a. Uh, I got some technical information. It uses ultraviolet. Uh, radiation, ultraviolet light at the 222 nanometer wavelength. Um, where in the hell was that chart? 222? Uh, yeah. Adding up to six? Well, hold on. Not only. <laughs> <Sorry>. <laughs> Wait, you should go ahead. Go ahead. Guess how many, how many, uh, how, what's the percentage of virus that it kills? Uh, oh, it's 99.9. Right. You can flip that around and get a little 666 action, you know? Exactly. <laughs> Anybody who's seen uh, End of Days knows the old 999 connection, the Arnold Schwarzenegger classic. I have not actually seen that. 
the oh, you had, the idea is that in 1999 is the real year of the beast oh. <laughs> because it's it's inverted 666 uh yeah the 999 just being 6 another version of 666 another version of 33 another version etc yeah yeah, all that uh, numerological multipliers, as I like to call it. Yeah, just well, the, the daisy chain of math that you know constitutes the building blocks of the universe, as it were. Yeah. the uh, The other thing that I love about six 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 is the the Earth's tilt, the axial tilt, in the great year. Uh, it takes one you know one cycle of the the Earth turning on it like a top on its axial hilt, and we're bent at a twenty three point four degree. Right, yeah, that's what it is. The actual is twenty three point four degrees, and two, three, what four. is that? Two, three, four. But but that's flipped from. If you look at it the opposite way, in a ninety degree angle, if you look at it upside down, it's six six point six degrees. Lordy, <laughs> yeah, I I think I I'm a big big proponent, big believer in numerology and uh, just all the way these numbers fold in on themselves. The uh, the fact that the, that the moon and the sun are at the perfect distances away so that they end up the same size in the sky. Right. Uh, it's just, it's some, and they're proportional as far as like the golden ratio is concerned. You know, the, the oblong shape of the, yeah, it's, it's very crazy. Hey, when you get into it, don't, don't tell anybody this, but my guess, I'm going to lean in real close. No one hears us. My yeah, guess, my guess. I actually think that they're portals in the sky, like to other dimensions, but you know, I don't, I don't really have the proof. The only thing that I could do that could back that up is maybe try and blow up the moon, but. Well, we could, we could try to do that. <laughs> we'll have to do that off the air, but, but uh, yeah. We don't, no, 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 man. Booberry 2024. Let's go. <laughs> <laughs> we finally get that meteor. We all deserve. We've all been asking for <laughs> Let's blow up the moon. That will bring the people of Earth together. Finally, a common enemy, the moon. Yeah, right. Well, you know, if it's like it's like if uh, if if it all ends up being bullshit, like as far you know, if if every fucking conspiracy ended up being true because the moon um, was blown up, like wouldn't you like to know? Like wouldn't you like to know if it's part of the Saturn uh, moon matrix where we're just regurgitated souls getting recycled for whatever fucking demiurge or archons that we're that we're living under? Yeah, or the great simulation, whatever it is. I want to rip that curtain. I want to see Oz, man. Yeah, poke right through the veil, my dude. I want to see it. Show me. Nah, that's what it's all about. That's why we're here. We're trying to find the truth, son. Well, let's. uh, I I got some clips locked and loaded, so I wanna I wanna play for everybody some uh, straight from the horse's lips. Urban Sun number one. Imagine the place where you could meet again. The world's first urban sun is a symbol of hope. Hope of a world without barriers. The coronavirus has changed our lives. The world's first urban sun cleans public spaces of the coronavirus for safer human gatherings. Let's bring back our well-being using the power of light. 
What what did you think about Urban Sun the first time you heard about it? The first thing was it's a bold and brave idea. I think it's a marvelous uh, idea. What we need is courage to do it in another way. I was skeptical at first, but then the more we started looking at it, it started to make a lot of sense. While traditional UV light is harmful, the new 222-nanometer far-UVC light is considered safe. To see this data and these studies that show UV-222 as being not harmful to mammalian skin and eyes was quite revelatory, honestly. Validated by scientists, it could clean up to 99.9% of the coronavirus safely. My first immediate question about this is what the fuck happened to the meme that you couldn't shove a, a UV flashlight up your ass to save your life? Well, along yeah. with the injecting bleach straight into the lungs, like, <laughs> me, this is like hot. <laughs> this is all they've ever done since he said that shit is like, wait a minute, but what if we did do that? Like, shut the fuck up. You guys are such... Uh, <laughs> oh yeah. Yeah, don't don't say anything else otherwise. Shun the non-believer. You know, it, this all goes back to the ultimate meme that the left can't meme and that they steal everything. Yeah. Every single little thing. They just they have nothing. All they do is bitch. And I'm not I'm not saying that as like politically left. I mean just like like philosophically left. It just a lot of bitching going on. Well, not a lot of like, I have a better idea. <laughs> who is that one fuckhead out of Hollywood? It's like, oh, yeah, West Coast Hollywood, uh, L.A. That's where all the creativity is. You know, there's no artists and so on and so forth. <laughs> oh, uh, the John Legend clip from yeah. A. Yeah. You know, even the cowboy country guys are liberals in the closet. You know, it's like, dude, whatever. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> I'm sure Post Malone is a big lefty. Yeah. Whatever. They don't care. They do what they're told. Well, if yeah. uh, if anyone's looking at photos of this thing, or if you haven't seen it yet, it's this tall-ass lamppost, and there's a UV bulb in the top, and allegedly it shines a huge circular um, beam, because all, all light's circular, whatever. Because um, the circle is the perfect shape. Right. You know, that's what gives it that, that ring characteristic, something that I'm not quite sure about. Um, they, it, it's definitely for show that beam, like they're pumping haze into some degree, like you might be able to see it on a misty day, but for the most part, I, I really just don't see a world where you, you get these like perfect orange circles on the ground. So it's definitely uh, got this sort of stylized, uh, nature to it, but mm -hmm. on their website, they've got this post, um, Listed in all sorts of places like uh, sports arenas, you know, there's one giant light that that's just shining on the entire audience, mm -hmm. um, blinding them, actually destroying their retinas quietly. But you know, I don't know. I'm not. A I've actually had that happen to me before. There was a a, a gym uh, back when I was in high school. We were doing community band, uh, homeschool and band. I mean. Mm -hmm. And we were playing this theater for some competition or something. And we had to uh, rehearse there a couple of days, but they had these sort of uh, outdoor like fields, uh, football field lights indoors. And looking at the sheet music under this light was actually burning a lot of the kids retinas. Damn. Um, and like I ended up having to do the eye drops and everything like blurry eyes for a day or so. <laughs> Maybe Mama Berry. She's in the chats. Maybe she remembers this. Um, shout out to mama Barry. 
Uh, I got another clip here. This one's only 35 seconds. Uh, like I said, go watch this afterwards. It's, I mean, on paper, it, it looks kind of cool, but it's just so saturated with occultic symbology. I'm just like, Meh. I keep finding more as I watch this video over and over. But yeah, <laughs> yeah, let's hear it. Urban Sun is created by Da Rosegaarde, along with his team of designers, scientists, and virus experts. With the support of the Dutch Council of Public Health and Society, and measured and calibrated by the Dutch National Metallurgy Institute, VSL. We are the architects of our new normal. Architects, the new architects. normal. <laughs> architects, everybody. Yeah, that one that one sticks out to me. If you ever heard of a group called the Freemasons. Yeah. But that's that's conjecture. Hey, do you think the Freemasons could build back better? That's all they've ever done. That's, that's They're in the business of doing that. That's what they do. Uh, it, so this Nordic thing, you know, I remember a time back when things were a little simpler and more innocent where we would make conspiracy theories about aliens. And one of the types of aliens was a Nord. Oh, and okay. I, and it's, I don't know, it's just, it's crazy how like prevalent Nordic people are in media now as like an American like Greta Thunberg and mm-hmm. all these, you know, UN stooges and all the people that we hear and even fucking Adam Curry himself. I mean, it's like, it's, it's not how, how many, uh, Scandinavians are, uh, in the media. And how dare you? Yeah. I don't know. It's <laughs> just, just a thought. Well, no, cause, uh, I believe it was on no agenda. They had the thread where they were, um, sort of pontificating on how much the the Dutch have influence in, in a big way. Maybe mm-hmm. I'm making this up. Um, They've always been a gnarly country with gnarly influence and gnarly money because they do gnarly shit. Yeah. Dutch it, East India Company, the Dutch Royal Shell Company, they're the Rockefellers of the, of Europe. They're, they're nuts. <laughs> and I actually, I just had a friend uh, pick up a, uh, he was a guest on Higher Side Chats not too long ago. I, I'm blanking on the guy's name, but he wrote an alien encyclopedia okay. of what he's deemed actual um, sentient bodies that exist outside of humans. Um, it was a pretty interesting episode. Uh, I definitely have my own thoughts and takes on aliens, but it would be interesting to see if Nords are listed in that book that, uh, that he wrote and she had just picked it up. So I'll, uh, hmm. I want to circle back on that one for you. We'll, cir- we'll circle back on that. We'll circle back. Yeah. And just for anybody listening, uh, <laughs> we've been losing power, uh, kind of on and off again. This, <laughs> um, so if we just cut out all of a sudden, I'm really sorry. Uh, I don't know what the fuck is going on. We just, we just had some wind over the past couple of days, but we've lost it happens. power four times over. So, Right on. Well, how far did you make it through this group? Did you check out any of their other projects? Uh, the this group behind Urban Sun. Yeah. The Studio Rosengard. Studio Rosengard. I uh, no, I did not look into their other projects. Is there anything that stands oh. out for you? Let's see. Oh my dude. I'm my looking dude. about us. Oh, and uh, real quick, um, Craig Campobasso. Uh, I'm probably butchering his last name are in this book that I was referencing and excuse me, the author of that book and Nordics are listed in there. So you might be Hmm. hitting the vein. 
It's just a, a, something to keep in mind. I just, I think about that sometimes. Now things are so crazy that, you know, we don't talk about silly shit like that anymore. But <laughs> I, I remember, I, I remember things. The, uh, the old normal. The old normal. And one last bit of occultism on the Serban Sun, this image in the, in the beginning on the website, they actually have a, the, a boat of ISIS. That's how they close the clip. If you watch the clip, for anyone who's not familiar with the boat of Isis, that's a solar or a lunar eclipse when just the tip of the sun is left and, oh, yeah. and it forms it a sort of like a crescent on the top. Yeah, well, a crescent, and, yeah. And that's what the Egyptians, back to the old Egyptian schools, called the, the boat of Isis, which is the joining of Isis and Osiris. And um, the Ankh is probably based off of that sort of sun setting or, or um, eclipse imagery. But that that still got to me when I, when we were just like listening and I was watching it again. This thing is rife with the imagery. <laughs> I I send it to Mo. I, I'm curious to see if he'll uh, pick up on it. You know, it's it's one of those things that definitely hits all three parties. It gets it gets Mo facts. It gets John C. Dvorak because of all the weird sort of science, not science. Uh-huh. Um, there's there's going to be a lot of stuff on climate change that we're coming up on uh, for tonight, and then Adam. You know, it takes place in his fucking, you know, one of his homes. Right. Um, let's see. I, I, I did have a, a, a FAQ. Um, there was a couple of interesting lines that I should have touched on before we navigate too far. Um, one of the questions is, is Urban Sun safe? It's designed based on independent research from scientists in the U.S. and Japan who have proved the, the use of FAR-UVC can effectively eliminate up to 99.9% of viruses in the air without harming people and animals. Research shows that the traditional 254 nanometer UV light is harmful. The new far UVC light with a wavelength of 222 can safely reduce viruses. Isn't it? Wouldn't hear me out on this one. Wouldn't you say 99.9 viruses killed is a little more than a reduction? Yeah, I would say so. That's uh, a, <laughs> and it's usually like when they say ninety nine point nine, they're just being conservative so they can't get sued, right? That, you know, you're really killing everything. There's, there's nothing that's going to get passed if you do it correctly. Uh, so one of their other main projects, it's called the Water Licked or Water Liked. Um, so Water Liked, yeah, and it's uh, it's a it's a projection art display that's. Arguably based in trauma entertainment. This is mm. clip one. We are now here at uh, Waterlight Toronto. The Waterlight is in a way about um, the power and the poetry of living with uh, water. Eh? Sort of a, a virtual flood. 200 years ago, this was flooded. This was uh, Lake uh, Ontario. So it relates to the history, um, but it also relates to the future, our rising sea level, the floods that we already had experienced in Toronto. But right now, for three nights, it's a place of wonder. The biggest challenge in Toronto is that the city has grown exponentially in the last 50 years. When we have extreme rain, water falls on concrete. It doesn't have any pervious space to go or seep into the ground. The problem starts with the capacity of this infrastructure, because this infrastructure is as old as the city is, and it does not have the capacity to take on so much water in such a short period of time. So what happens is there are blockages, there is lack of infiltration capacity, 
and there's lack of drainage. And with that, we see water backup. And that's how you see a lot of roads and railway lines within the city and homes all flooded. So what they've done, they have went to this underpass in Toronto and they set up this light projection show that shines beams, uh, mostly lasers. I, I think a couple of like uh, various floodlights, maybe some pixel map lights. And what they're doing is recreating the whole area as if it was underwater to demonstrate how dangerous it can. It, it's going to be. This is going to happen. How da- like how high the water is just going to flood the area out. Mm. Nice. Now, what do you think they would what, what what's the first thing that comes to your mind that they could compare this to like as a um, like a fairly common place for people to congregate? What do you think they would refer to it as? Uh, a place where we where you congregate? Yeah. Sorry? Uh, in the event of a flood? Mm, no, just like in general, like uh, real life. Like where, where's somewhere that you would expect to see a large gathering of people? Um, I'm not sure. Downtown, I suppose. Downtown city. Well, uh, let's... Uh, I'll, I'll just play the clip. We'll, we'll see if uh, <laughs> if it sounds as weird as I thought it was. The setting of the Bentway is really awesome because you have this sort of raw concrete pillars and then the light sort of breaking through it. So it, 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 it's turning into a cathedral. And that is, uh, that's really beautiful to see. Huh. Right? Yeah. It's, it's religious. It's got this religious fucking overtones to it. Which is absolute uh mass programming i mean you could you could call it good or evil but when you get everybody in a church and you've got these hollowed stone walls with this beautiful acoustics and you play this music it puts everybody in a state of mind that's very like oh we're in a holy place we're doing something that's above the norm we're not just at the grocery store right and yeah so when you flood the the city with that shit which by the way is also very european because you know in europe they they got church bells right we don't have that here in America, but it, you know, if you go to Europe, they'll, <laughs> no matter where you are, those church bells will ring out, you know? And that's like, that's totally part of the culture of, of that place. You know, there's nothing that unifies people like that here in America where everybody can hear this or that or the other thing. Well, Dwaldenham, Dwaldenham was pretty close. He had said concert in the chats and, uh, I, I've experienced the, there's similar sensations that I personally experienced between, work in theatrical productions and going to church camps uh, mm-hmm. as a younger kid uh, with like, you know, they're playing the rock music and they're sitting there droning and they got everybody throwing their hands up in the air and like singing along mm-hmm. and chanting and praying. And it gets everybody to the same vibrational uh, frequency. I've seen the same thing happen for um, bodyguard, the movie, the musical um, where people just like coalesce on this one emotion. Um, mm-hmm. So I don't, I don't think it can be as intense per se, just because Concert venues, a lot of them, they don't have the age or those stones or just the overall vibe, like something. The reverie. Yeah, like, like a cathedral would. Um, right. I mean, look at look at how they tried to fucking paint the the Notre Dame fires, you know. Yeah. But uh, yeah, and then those are some of the most impressive structures we have. You know, those cathedrals, Notre Dame, and and a lot of the big buildings we have here in America that aren't even that old, but they're they're huge, they're majestic. You know, your common church is pretty impressive building, no doubt. And it's built with those acoustics in mind. Everybody gets on that same frequency, and and sound is so important. And I think that that's why you know we always laughing at these no agenda clips. They're always playing the stupid Apple commercial music in the background. 
But that's part of it. It gets you in a sort of like a, you know, it gets you in a mode. And if you've ever worked in video editing, you know that, you know, if you put a certain song in and then you have it reviewed, someone will be like, yeah, the song's too uh, punchy or it's too happy. You know, we want it to be more <laughs> serious or, or it's not, you know, it's too serious. We want it to be more happy or whatever. We need to, Sound we, is we need so it to important. lull you some more. Yeah, we need it to set the tone. And the tone is literally a tone. It's a it's the frequency which you know, multiple everybody can get on the same page if you can hear. That's why the deaf have an inherent advantage over the Satanist people. They <laughs> yeah. sorry. Those are gonna turn into Alex Jones right there. The, the deaf people know. Uh, I'm on fire. That's amazing. I had actually <laughs> thought about that one. I like that a lot. And that's why they're shutting them down with masks. Because they can't read lips, and they're, the deaf people are at their weakest. That's my Alex Jones rant. <laughs> um, <laughs> so uh, th- this clip, we got a little more time on it. This is one of the longer ones, but, um, you know, it, it's the idea, the concept of climate change and what they're, uh, you know, if it's happening, if it's not happening, that part is not as much of a concern to me as either way, they're still using it as a control mechanism and I'm very excited for John to release his best of climate change clips. I believe that's going to oh, be yeah. this Thursday, right? Uh, I think so. Or yeah. maybe next week. I, I don't know. I forget. Yeah. The climate change <laughs> compilation is going to be sweet. Yeah, I'm, I'm looking forward to it. Meet us, meet us, nails it. Why these schemers always scheming? That's <laughs> what they do, son. <laughs> schemers got a scheme, man. Schemers, schemers, man. All right, we got two and a half minutes left of this one. Let's uh, let's get through it. Right. And it creates a sense of uh, place. Suddenly, we have thousands of people hanging out, uh, being being mesmerized, uh, wonder how they want their future to look like. Our major challenge is that our weather is becoming more extreme and more unpredictable. And that's across the globe, not just for Toronto. My country, most of it is below sea level. So without technology, without design, we would drown, we would die. So we've always been fighting, but also living with nature. For me, trying to find this balance between nature and technology is very normal because my whole country is man-made. Well, the reality is that climate change is happening. There is evidence that climate change is happening, so it's beyond our control. What's in our control is how we can create capacity to cope within the system and build more resiliency within the system. So I think innovation has to be at the front and center of those strategies. I think we all know the numbers, um, but numbers won't change us. Imagination will. Sometimes environmental messages are so complex, they don't reach people. In order to address climate change, these solutions have to be transformative. And transformation requires a lot of collaboration and a lot of innovation. I think we should work towards society where we live and work with nature instead of against it. And so Waterlight is for me about that. Nature, technology, people, landscape, trying to find a new harmony, a new sense of uh, balance again. So I think Sounds our like water justice. sector has been at the forefront. There's a lot of... The, the, the idea, isn't, isn't it the justice card that's got the, the scales on it? Yeah, the law. Yeah. 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 These are a bunch of commie motherfuckers. <laughs> 
so righteous. Everything's so fucking righteous these days. Everyone's like, yes, this is the way to go. There's no other way. This is this the is only the fucking way. This is the way. Trust the plan. I like how, uh, yeah, who trusted the plan better, Q or communism? <laughs> fucking dude, you know, history has proven who that what the answer to that question, my friend. Oh, boy. Love trust me. the fucking plan. Trust the plan. <laughs> trust the- <laughs> <laughs> I can't even get it out. <laughs> Never ends. Oh, man. But, you know, I, I do like how what we talked about right before we continue this clip is almost word for word, it seems. I had to go back and listen to it later, but it sounds like word for word what we had just described as far as climate change and the control mechanisms and... They even and this say is they- natural. This is so natural. Oh my God. This is the, you know, this is the way of nature. This is the way of the world. Yeah. You know, the yeah. law, the law of nature. It's that's quietly in there too. A lot of that. This is, this is it. <laughs> well, the whole uh, of the law. What is it? Laws, laws, the love of the land. Laws, love in the land. Oh yeah. Yeah. Sure. <laughs> Uh, do as thou wilt, my dudes. No, just do it. <laughs> just but do, do this. It. <laughs> you, know, you have to do this. This is it. You got to do, do it whatever G. you want. You got you, you can do whatever you want. You just got to do it exactly like everybody else, and uh, don't do anything that they wouldn't do. Yeah, you have an original idea. What are you doing? That's dumb. Just do what everyone else is doing. It's easy. <laughs> so easy to do what everyone just, else is doing. Trust the plan, man. Trust just trust it. the plan. All right, let's uh, <laughs> let's finish up Waterlight. <laughs> Sure thing. Companies who are innovating right now to find solutions, and we need to do more of it. We need to support them. We need to apply those technologies and bring everybody together to find the right solutions. And to sort of bring back the water in places like Toronto as a Dutch artist, it's sort of very interesting. It's part of our DNA. It's part of uh, yeah, our, our life, our lifestyle. And it will be part of the life of a lot of Toronto people as well. It's a little Russian water, actually. Yeah, right. It's, it's no, uh, it's no shitty missile sound effect, but it's well produced. This whole thing is, uh, you know, soothing. Yeah. I'll tell you what. Ten years ago, I would have been all about this. I would have been like, great. Tell people that there's going to be a flood. You know. Oh, yeah. You should, you know, this is good for people. And then, I don't know, something changed where I kind of was like, wait a minute, these guys are assholes. Well, that's something that Sir Seatsitter was discussing with Sir Bimrose on, uh, I believe it was episode 79 of Abs in a Six Pack. But apparently, climate change is the one thing that he's most consistently able to change um, people's minds on or getting them to... Maybe consider that, yeah, like maybe these dudes are just trying to fucking hawk money from everybody and fuck off with it. It's easy to change their position to that, that it is a scam, that yeah. a racket at least. Yeah. You know, putting it kindly, it's a racket. <laughs> um, so uh, one of the other things that uh, one of the other projects, I got three more that I want to go through and then we will do a little choose your own adventure. Uh, the next Beautiful. project is they got a uh, dike in the Netherlands that they did. Yeah, a few of them. Yep. <laughs> Sorry. Uh, well, like you said, it was a man-made country. <laughs> yes, 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 uh, yes. And this next clip is discussing how they integrated new ideas into art and, and roadways and just 
Well, uh, I, I guess I'll just let it speak for itself. This is called Gates of Light. I, I think we live in a world where, where there's not a, a lack of money or technology, but maybe a, a lack of imagination. I like making landscapes of the future. It's a proposal for uh, how a world can look like. My name is Dan Rosegarden, and, and, and I want to upgrade reality. The Afsluitdijk, the 32-kilometer dam in the Netherlands, it's quite famous because it basically it protects uh, us from not dying, yeah? from, from not drowning. And it's this sort of beautiful zen line in the middle of, of the sea. But at the same time, not so many people know it. and They just drive over it and, you know, they don't really see the, the magic. Uh, and because of the rising sea level, it is in need of renovation. And the Ministry of Infrastructure commissioned us to sort of enhance the beauty of this 32-kilometer line in the middle of the water. And we wanted to do something with light, with energy. Uh, but we knew that everything we would, we would use with technology, like microchips or sensors, uh, would die because of the salt and the rain and the wind. It's very like harsh environments. So we were we were sort of struggling with that uh, in that way. And after three, three or four weeks, we're like, yeah, but of course there's already light present, which is the headlights of, of the car. So what if we can sort of, you know, upcycle? And that's when the idea came to start to layer these buildings with a, a layer of reflective, retro-reflective material. So based on the headlights of the car, the, the buildings would uh, enlighten themselves as you are driving through the blueprint of the, the famous historical architect. And at the same time, it's a statement about, um, yeah, a landscape which is energy neutral. There's only light when cars are there so, so there's no light pollution and uh, yeah it, it feels like a gate like a gateway uh, to towards how a new world can look like am i a bad person for really for wanting him to to say order right there no 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 okay <laughs> just just we're waiting for it the whole time with bated breath he's gonna say it new world order yeah i mean i i just posted the pictures in the chat room uh it looks cool uh, this, the name is certainly a little suspect. It illuminates 60 monumental floodgates through retro reflection uh, using the headlamps of passing cars, like they said. Mm-hmm. Um, it's it's not as egregious, but again, like that Gates thing, you know, that's kind of a, a Freemasonic sort of uh, symbol, like entering into the, the next. Uh, how, it's been so long since I've really looked at it, but it's like upgrading to that next level, like passing the threshold. Yeah, it's it's the two pillars of was it Ball and the other one. It's the two identical pillars. You see it all the time in Mason stuff too, right? And so you've got you've got <laughs> they're the two pillars that were in front of the first temple, the Temple of Solomon in Jerusalem, right? right and they're right. identical pillars with col- identical column pillars. And yeah, you've got them right here. And you're passing into the divine. You're leaving the material world and entering the divine world. Yeah, and I love it though. They're always talking about uh, in these clips, like they're they're shaping, they're carving, they're producing the future that they want to see. And um, as it stands now, like we haven't even we've only been through five of these clips, but I think there's a definite case that they're employing magic to a really big degree in this. Mm-hmm. Um, I like it. It's it from a construction standpoint, it's so simple. Yeah. And these concrete guys are making a killing. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, no electrical. You just throw up some reflectors. That's that's it's easy. That's an easy job. Yeah, it's a, it's certainly striking. I will I will definitely give them that. It looks cool. Yeah, it's look it looks very um, majestic, which I suppose is the intention. And again, if you guys are listening along and you want to check this out, go to zososcorner.substack.com. You can check out the season one episode thirty eight show notes right there and then subscribe. Get that email going. I'm turning into my own pimp. That's right. 
Mr. Pimp Boobery, you you submit to the pimp, say. <laughs> yeah, I know. Please, Pimp Boobery, great show. You've you've uh, great people on. You talk about great material. I'm very excited to be here. This is a you, you, it's a, a fantastic resource. I love talking about this type of stuff. Well, thank you. And you can't get this sort of thing on mainstream. What I guess, quote unquote, mainstream. I shouldn't even call it that. Big budget, you know, podcast platforms. This sort of thing is not promoted. Yeah, and you know what? Yeah. This is a this is a value for value show, and and, and we'll, we're going to summon just a little bit of Bill Hicks right here. Do a commercial. You're off the artistic roll call. Every word you say is suspect. You're a corporate whore. And uh, end of story. <laughs> Advertising <laughs> is censorship. That's right. If you want the real deal, you got to find programs like this, and you got to support them uh, as much as you can. And you don't have to do a lot, but a little a little goes a long way. Hell yeah. Send us uh, clips, send us stories, come hang out in the chats, bring your conversation. That's value for me. That's probably the biggest value because it knows, it tells me that people are out there and enjoying hanging out with us tonight. Mm-hmm. What do we have next? We got some space art. They uh, they definitely like their space. Um, I got three clips here. I'm gonna kind of go through these just a, a little quick because I don't. Uh, I definitely want to get to one of the big heavy hitters. Um, mm. So we'll uh, we'll zoom through these three. There's not a lack of money or technology in this world, but maybe there's a lack of imagination how we want the future to look like. So I think that's the true power of art and design. It can imagine, it can visualize, it can materialize what is needed to go next level. I'm an artist and innovator, and we are here now in the Dream Factory. So we build landscapes of the future. I think what we're doing here is unique. We're all future curious in all the projects that we've done are related to that. I want to do art, I want to do science, I want to be entrepreneur, I want to make things. So maybe it's not about sort of choosing or selecting, but it's more about finding the links between all these disciplines and trying to connect them. Space Waste Lab is a project which visualizes, fixes and upcycles the 8.1 million kilo of space junk which is currently floating around the universe. In Almere, we have the first phase of the Space Waste Lab, and we're really excited to team up with that city and that museum, also because they are hosting the World Expo Floriade in 2022. So they have a vision towards the future. So inside there's an exhibition of the Space Waste Lab where we're showing a real piece of space waste. We show the history and the future of space waste. We do a lot of workshops with more than 2,000 students and high school kids. Like, okay, what can we do with it? And outside, we have the Space Waste Lab performance, where we're tracking space waste, 29,000 particles larger than 10 centimeters, and sort of scanning and, and showing and pointing them with these huge lines of light. So I think this connection between inside and outside is interesting. In the coming days, we're launching phase two. We'll travel to Luxembourg, to Houston, NASA, and we're working towards Dubai 2020 to have the further uh, fixing more solutions and mesmerizing. So <laughs> they're doing like the reverse space lasers, it sounds like. Also, has anybody ever heard of the term future curious? <laughs> oh. <laughs> oh. Oh, hey, come hit me up on a... <laughs> uh, hit me up tomorrow. <laughs> hit me on a hope.com. Uh, I'm future curious. I don't know it's where so that one's going. <laughs> Everybody has a fetish. No, we don't kink shame here. If you're into future stuff, that's okay. That is true. That is true. I would never want to kink, kink shame. We are we are open-minded, open-hearted, and open-armed-did. Open-armed, yeah. Yeah. 
Right. I couldn't. I really couldn't get over the fact that they were doing a knockoff Space Oddity, and that was the song that they were doing in the background. Oh, Rock I didn't even catch that. Major Tom. Yeah, yeah. And I was like, oh my god, really? They made like that B list like knockoff song, and I just it, that that's a big pet peeve of mine when I hear shit like that. Uh, but anyway, that's probably tapping into people's uh, sort of subconscious, unconscious. It's like, oh yeah, you know, I, I really dig this song. It's a song about discovery and like just the 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 thrill of space adventure yeah and dying out in space alone well <laughs> that too <laughs> shit. You know? shit shit <laughs> right. uh, i'm gonna hit you with a clip too do it we're on a mission for clean space and so now we're presenting the next phase where with the space experts, we made a selection of what we're going to realize. We had thousands of ideas being sent to us eh, by students, by experts from all around the world. Experts! One personal favorite of mine is the shooting stars, where with a cube satellite, a mini satellite, or with a net, we capture the existing space waste. And Hold on, I just thought of something. Sorry. Okay. Shooting stars or fallen angel? Mm-hmm. Oh. oh. Another... Another... <laughs> and uh we'll uh we'll be revisiting some luke chapter 10 verse 18 later tonight but i don't want to blow my whole load right now oh we're gonna crack into the gospels eh? okay just, okay just a little bit just a little peek you know all right then <laughs> uh <laughs> we somehow attract it in a controlled way to the earth atmosphere and so when it hits the earth atmosphere of course it burns so can we create uh, artificial shooting stars as a replacement for the very, very polluting fireworks. That's the main idea that we're gonna drag into reality. It's sort of a problem and a potential. It has something very poetic and also something very practical. I don't wanna just make things beautiful. I also wanna have things that are meaningful or trying to improve the world. It's sort of an attitude in which you say, I'm not a passenger, but I'm crew. I'm part of this world and I'm not gonna wait. I'm not gonna complain, but I'm gonna work in proposals. And I think if this kind of proactive attitude is more incorporated, how we deal with ourselves as a society, that's the only way of making uh, progress. Yep. It's that, that one's kind of blasé. I, I guess it's you know just more prog- uh, progression, marching forward. Um, Fluffy, fluff talk. Yeah, there's a... Uh, I don't know if we'll touch it. I can't remember if it's in one of the clips, but one of the things that they do with this uh, space junk is upcycle i guess uh they upcycle it into rings that people can wear okay so i mean they're the these motherfuckers got all sorts of crazy projects i don't think we're going to touch all of them tonight but they got this like smog free bike you ride the bike and it recycles the air and it pumps uh i like fresh air motherfucker into your face Mm. as you're riding around um, okay. Rainbow Station again. All of these are in our show notes. Uh, they got this huge like pixel map rainbow. It's the biggest one. Uh, it was on some Dutch mm-hmm. train station. Dune. They got these folding paper lotuses. Uh, excuse me, lotus. That's the one. Um, Dune is like these nature trails that, with uh, little LED lights everywhere that react to people uh, walking by and interacting with them. Hmm. So they're really trying to like integrate this idea of technology and nature, and is that and turn it also into a light show, like a fun light show? Yeah, and, like wherever you know, they go. Some some of the stuff looks good, you know. I, I will give them that. Uh, the space, yeah, I mean, you, yeah, you gotta. They probably put on a nice show. Yeah, um, the space art stuff. It's it's not as 
there's a there's something in here clever. I don't remember what because I made all of these clips today. <laughs> um, mm-hmm. But we'll uh, we'll finish this one up. For Space Buzz Lab, I'm handling all the public relations, and it's super important for myself and for the office to bring out the message and to reach everyone, from children to experts, scientists, everyone. At Studio Roosgaard, we really make things happen. I re- that was it. Children's experts and scientists. Children's <laughs> and scientists. I have a question about the, the space recycling program that they have. You said that they collect space junk and that they turn it into rings? Uh, it's, it was either, it was either that, or they were taking like carbon and reprocessing the, the, uh, the, sorry, they were taking smog and like reprocessing the carbon and making a material that they would then shape into a ring. Um, Hmm. and there's actually a a clip, one of these, uh, the, the woman is talking to Don here and she's wearing the ring. Um, (laughs) you can wear them. Yeah. (laughs) Let me, uh, let me, uh. Let me finish this clip up and I'll see if I can't find the picture of it. I'll post it in the chats. We love it. It's not only talking, but it's also a daring for the Space Waste Lab. It's like a living laboratory where everyone can contribute. Isn't the universe big enough? So you can wonder, isn't space very big? Why should we care? Like these little pieces and it's endless. I think we have a right for a clean space. It's also the new space where we can try to learn from the mistakes that we made on Earth and implement them in a sort of slightly improved way. So it's space to learn, space to experiment, space to make a mistake, and space for yeah, hopefully a sort of better version of humanity. Again with that. Kende Motor, connecting art and technology. That drone-ass music. Uh, good call uh. on the ring. Uh, I was misspeaking. It is the smog-free ring. A, uh, it's 1000 M3. I'm not sure what M3 stands for as far as measurements concerned of clean air collected by the smog free tower. So oh, this thing is meters, a thousand cubed meters. Gotcha. Yeah. It's teeny. It's super teeny tiny. Mm-hmm. Um, but what's interesting, if you are watching the video that they're displaying, when you click on this website, there's a teeny tiny little black cube. And if you're hip to that sort oh of thing, God. yeah, dude, you know it. <laughs> The black cube of Saturn, baby, presents itself once more for the mm, people. Made of carbon, it. which, by the way, is what number on the atomic scale? Oh, hit me. Six. Ah. It's the sixth element on the mm. periodic table of elements. Mm-mm. Just so you know. I mean, it looks, again, it, it's a it's quite the striking ring, uh, indubitably. It's very lovely. Yeah. Very, very lovely. It's it's actually gorgeous. It's like it, it it looks like a perfect little black cube of Saturn encapsulated in a transparent amber or a lacquer or a resin or whatever you'd call it, which is also in a cube, which is expands outside of it, which is like that's that's a <laughs> it captures all the platonic solids. It's it's fantastic. It's yeah, it's got a sort of like tesseract sort of vibe to it too. Yeah, it's got a four D element to it. Uh, it's, it's very satanic. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. And then the ring, I mean, like, again, uh, I've heard murmurings that the, uh, the, the traditional wedding band is sort of a call out to this idea of, um, the rings of Saturn. Like it's sort of a binding concept. Um, Mm -hmm. if people, you know, if you go and listen to some like old school David Icke, I believe David talks about the rings of Saturn sort of being the broadcast mechanism for whatever sort of 
information or broadcast that is transmitted by Saturn. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's really out there stuff, but essentially what the black cube represents is the second sun. It's, uh, it, it ties back to, um, Judaic Christian and Islamic faiths because, uh, you know, a cube is a, is a hexagram. You got the, the cross, a cross can be folded up. Um, if you divide Into a cube, it, yeah. It, what is it? Like six, six sections, I think. Exactly. Um, and then at the center of Mecca, uh, where they, they take pilgrimages to, there's this huge black cube that they'll make fucking concentric uh, circles, you know, in prayer. Yeah, when around. they do the Hajj. Yeah. Yep. And uh, and the Star of David, I, I don't know, forgive me, you already said this, but the Star of David, of course, is a cube that's basically been turned on its point. Yep. Connecting and, all the, yeah. uh, the points. Yeah. Yeah. The cube. And uh, if you've ever done the, the deep dive into 2001 Space Odyssey, the obelisk, you know that you know that whole beginning sequence is tied into that. I think Bill Cooper has a great uh, bit on that. He talks about it, but there's a lot of resources you can read on that sort of thing. Yes, yeah, it's it's just a shape that in my in my research, it's just a shape that represents the the most basic material of of the world and of the universe. It's like the 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 building the block. exact proportion. There are certain proportions that all of nature tries to adhere to. Now, is there, um, I remember you saying it was one of the uh, platonic solids. I can't remember technically what it was called, but do you remember the element that's associated with cubes? Oh, I don't. uh, I think it's earth, but I could be wrong. Gotcha. Because, I mean, that wouldn't make sense. uh, I will look it up right now. um, With earth earth being, you know, like, uh, you know, clay people. You think about the fucking book of Genesis and God came down. He's like, yeah, I'm going to make some people to hang out with. And he went down to the beach and like sculpted people. And, um, yeah. Yeah. The, the Promethean basic Promethean story, which again, I I've always kind of associated as another like side tangent, um, Prometheus with Lucifer because Prometheus is this like light bringer, um, yeah, punished it's for sharing knowledge. So on one and so of forth. the angels that went down and communicated with humans and gave them the knowledge of the gods. That's definitely a parallel. Yeah. And there's a, there's a certain, you know, that ties in metaphorically with just the human condition and just with what people are doing in general, where we, we, we defy nature all the time. That's our whole existence is living on top of nature. We aren't animals. We don't live in the woods. You know, we, yeah, we have to have clothes and, we have to have grocery stores and, and you know, AC. We have to have TikTok. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we have to have internet porn. <clears throat> and these are the things that we need, you know, and it's it's not technically natural. You can't grow it in a garden. So what we do is is we defy nature in our own way and we create our own world in our own way that lives on top of the world that we have found that's been given to us. In Bro, our circumstance, I, I I hope you're I hope you're I hope you're wearing a condom because you're so deep in my mind right now. <laughs> we're that's that's exactly where we're fucking heading with this group is how they're going to integrate into the food supply. This is beautiful. Let, let me just say for the record too that it is Earth. The cube does represent Earth. So hey, yo, let me just say hoot nanny. We're 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 fucking on fire as true professional deniers tonight. I just we are denying very yes I agree I, yes yes I agree. rare form rare form um, <laughs> all right I'm gonna hit y'all with some grow vacant empty uninhabited 
We often dream about creating a better future. Yet we hardly notice the fields that feed us. How can we show the beauty of agriculture? How can we make the farmer the hero? And how can light help crops to grow more sustainably? Grow is actually inspired by scientific research. It shows specific light recipes can enhance plant growth and reduce the use of pesticide up to 50%. Um, I don't know if you've noticed this or not, but there's been a huge uptick in people that have become plant parents since the pandemic started. Mm -hmm. And uh, this idea of red and blue LEDs has really taken off. Uh, as far as using that for grow lights, I've got my own personal kind of like just weird feelings about LED lights, um, mm -hmm. but I also work with them. Um, and I, I see a lot of them in an entertainment aspect. And you know that they're, you know, they're magical. Yeah. They're really excellent advancements in lighting technology over the fluorescent bulb. But they, they, the way they operate if you, depending on how cheap the LED is, if you take your phone and it's got a slow-mo camera in it, you can catch it. They, those those lights are, are um, strobing on a frequency. You can't really tell with the human eye unless you're, like, just used to it. And um, it's better to, like, catch it out of the corner of your eye, if that mm -hmm. makes any sense. Sure. Um, I just... You know, sometimes sometimes that shit just makes me sick. You know, it, it's uh, like gives me headaches depending on like the quality of the light or just um, how bright, how fast it's strobing, so on and so forth. Mm -hmm. It makes sense because the cheap LEDs, they might be just operating in some frequency that's unhealthy for the human eye to to, to take in. And, and, you know, what an LED is, what is it, a light emitting diode? It's just like a gap. It's like a microscopic gap where an electron kind of, I think shells over a certain space and it exposes a raw, I don't know. I'm not, I'm not an, an electrician or whatever, but well, what I know it's, it's, it's just a, it's a different kind of way of looking at light and it's not necessarily, you get, I would imagine there's a, there's an unhealthy way to, to do it. <laughs> uh, some, some lights, the best way to describe it, seeing it on stage and used for a show some of them look like cheap ass paint. There ain't no mm -hmm. other way to say it. Um, it would be curious, I guess, to see how plants respond to this because, you, you know, for me, LED lights, there's no difference between that and the the concept of Project Bluebeam coming through televisions with this, again, this sort of like repetitive pattern. Instead of music, it's this light wave mm -hmm. that lulls you into this position of being more... Um, lulled, susceptible. Yeah, it uh, it pacifies you, and you and you don't know it's a, it's a subconscious thing. Yeah, so or, you know, they're they're bringing it to the food, they're bringing it to the stadiums, and you know that and then that's, the plants that you grow the light with. Yeah, that's kind of freaky too. I, artificial light is kind of strange with with plants, but I don't know. I, again, I don't know. Now my question is, uh, we're gonna we're gonna deviate here just because um, we're already about an hour and a half in. Do you want to hear this group 
with the World Economic Forum or Dan the Man talking on his TED Talk. <laughs> I will say, I will say the World Economic Forum one is rather long, so we'd probably have to um, again zoom through that one. But the TED Talks, we only got five clips in that one. I, I think Dan, the, you sold me with Dan the Man. That's just good branding. Nice. So, all right, I'll go with that one. This is a uh, Dan the Man number one. It, it just shows that these days are sort of crucial uh, to create a collective understanding and maybe, you know, even a collective uh, um, language. Apparently it's necessary. Um, ladies and gentlemen, since I'm the last speaker and, and since uh, Rainier did such a great utopia job, I'm going to sort of plug into that. I think today is very exciting because we live in a world which is sort of shifting from analog to digital in which technology is playing this huge part of who we are as human beings, how we see ourselves, how we connect to other people, how we perceive reality. And when I talk about technology, I don't necessarily mean something which is sort of hidden inside an iPhone or tucked away in a notepad. No, 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 no. I'm talking about social technologies, a la Facebook, a la Hives, a la LinkedIn, in which tech is used more and more um, to create, to mediate, to communicate, to interact. You know, there might be a time that our social identity would have been way based on which side of the Berlin Wall we would have been living, east or west. But maybe today, within this relational network, it's more and more about um, how fast is our modem, how many Facebook friends do we have. And within that concept, I truly believe um, that this technology will not stay within the screen, but gets out of the computer screen and is slowly but surely already embedding our walls, our doors, our body, and our environment, in a way, our urban landscapes. <laughs> Any immediate so, thoughts? Uh, it just, it, I don't know. I was thinking about the Steve Bannon speech that he made. He, he talks a lot, but there's so many said about the Ajax on World of Warcraft bit. You ever hear that bit? No, nah, hit me. They, they, this is a, a, an accountant. He's a father, and he dies. His name is Jeff or something, and, like, he was, you know, to his family, he was nobody. But then on World of Warcraft, he was Ajax. And they had a giant funeral for him. And there's thousands of people that attended. Oh, and, holy shit. And, like, there's this whole thing. But, to, to, you know, in real life, he was just some accountant. You know, he was kind of a, a whatever, dude. This is Bannon's story, so I don't know if this is true. But it's just, like, his his whole moral of the story was, who's more real, Ajax or this accountant guy? And I, I I apply that in theory to Instagram where I have people in my life who I love who their entire identity to me is not based on something that's online. It's based on real experiences that we had together. But there are other people in my life who their entire identity is based on their Instagram personality and and profile. And that's who they are to me. And I have more experience with them through that medium than I do actually in real life. And so th that's what I was thinking of was just that sort of, th it's a strange shift that's happening psychologically that we don't even really realize is happening where we have entire friendships and entire sort of interactions throughout life, not just at once, but for years, for decades that are completely fabricated on this sort of artificial platform instead of like, Oh, I, you know, this guy fell down and I, you know, we were playing tennis or we were doing, you know, playing baseball or we were, Something real, something that actually you could look back on and be like, this guy was a great athlete or this guy was, you know, great at this or good at that or, you know, whatever. Instead, we look at people with this idea of, oh, they're really you know, political <laughs> or, oh, they're really pretty or they're really, you know, they travel a lot or whatever. It's changed. It's very interesting. 
there was a, cause I've been thinking about deleting Facebook and Instagram, just removing hard stop that whole toxic cesspool, uh, from my day to day life. I will, uh, <laughs> I will miss a lot of valuable material that I turn around and uh, repost the no agenda social. Cause some of it's just, it's, it's so fucking out there. It's, it's so great nutty. material. <laughs> Dude, like seeing those fucking house of vaccine uh, sigils, they were doing like house Pfizer. <laughs> oh, oh, dude. God. <laughs> uh, that's why I get the hell off of that stuff, man. But I realized like there's there's so many people that if I deleted them or if I deleted my presence from that platform, I would never see photos from them. You wouldn't exist anymore. Yeah. To those people. That's why I don't get rid of Instagram. It's uh, like, you won't exist anymore to a certain like percentage of your friends. It's kind of weird. It's twisted. And you know, that that's kind of like, uh, I've talked a little bit about it on the show before, but one reason why I exist is booberry on here because we practice in just enough mind crime. I feel like people that I've known for such a long time would have some serious issues for, you know, mm-hmm. not thinking lockstep with them, which is the stupidest right. shit, you know? Oh God. Most of my friends. Yeah. I got to keep my shit to myself, dude. Right. Uh, I know. Yeah. It's it, and especially, I don't know, with a certain liberal crowd, you really got to watch what you say because, and, and you know, uh, to kind of echo what the saying in the chats, do you really want to exist to those people? I used to, but now I'm finding that there is another community that um, I'm growing into and, you know, that community is allowed lavish and myself to join together tonight. Um, mm-hmm. So there, there is this sort of like uh, reimagining um, from Adrian, the stagehand to Booberry, the Mothman of Minneapolis, you know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and, you know, we get this place and this is, we're lucky, man, to have this place to have, to chat and have NA social and have this collection of folks, you know? Hell yeah. We're well, standing on the shoulders of giants, I think, when we're hanging out around here sometimes. And we're we're about to hopper, uh, operate. <laughs> we're about to operate that fucking V8 of the fucking future. <laughs> the fucking future, man. Yeah, we got that V8 interceptor coming coming to us. It's going to be the fucking podcasting 2.0 and the Sphinx chat and Breeze and just... I'm so excited. You know, uh, Sir Spencer has said it. Adam is saying it. 2021, year of the podcaster. Let's go, motherfuckers. Yeah, dude. It's time for a change. Yeah, I can give you something to fucking hope on. (laughs) 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 Let's uh, let's, uh, get back to Dan the Man. This is TED Talks 2. With that idea, I created my own studio four years ago, Studio Rose Garden, a lab for art and technology projects. A team actually of great, 10 great people, partly software and electronic engineers, uh, and material and designers working on a series of interactive landscapes. And we use tech on one hand to create poetry, so we build it ourselves. This is our own little microchip embedded system. You flash the software in the big chip there in the middle, and it's up and running, eh? so we master it so we can play with it. But in the end, you know, it's not about technology. It's what you can do with it and how to create an awareness and how to create a poetry with that. It's in a way to show how this new world is looking like. This may sound sound sort of sci-fi, but it's not in a way. Like the same way, like this is not realism. (laughs) It's not. 
the famous painters, the Dutch painters, the Ruisdal and the Koekoek, were making these kind of paintings to show that reality was shifting, the influence of city and people on nature. A lot of them made Italian landscapes, but it's a fact that they never left the Netherlands. It's not realism. It's about shifting realities. This is our reality. Uh, wow. Welcome. Yeah. Wow, wow, wow. Comparing modern technology to basically the romantic period and being like, we want to shift our global view to this to this unrealistic, blown out caricature of of what we think life should be, but really isn't. That's that's a hell of a thing to say. Is this the real life? (laughs) Is this just fantasy? All right, 8,000 part harmony right now. <laughs> Landslide, no escape. Uh, Let's get that fucking bro. no agenda stream going. <laughs> New Year's Eve. <laughs> it's coming. Oh, God. Something tells me this, uh, well, it's, it's far away, I guess, but this New Year's will be will be lit. Nice. Hell yeah. I, I believe so. We'll see. Uh, yeah, I, I can echo that. Easy. No problem. Rose Garden. Uh, Rosicrucians. Thank you. Okay. It wasn't just me. Okay. 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 Good to know. Just throwing that out there. Hey, you're, um, have you ever, or how close are you to San Jose? Is that, uh, within travel distance? Uh huh. Sure. Have you been to the Rosencrucian Museum in San Jose? <laughs> no. Is there a Rosencrucian Museum in San Jose? Dude. Oh my God. What have I been doing? I will, uh, they, oh man, it gets fucking nutty. Uh, and they, and it's, it's a huge, I shouldn't say huge, but it's got a fairly extensive Egyptian, uh, wing to it, you know, uh, yes. wink, wink, wink. Um, but upstairs, uh, I don't, I don't want to spoil it too hard, but the whole thing is on alchemy. Oh, I mean like yes, real fucking alchemy. So I, I got photos. I'll, uh, I'll post some, uh, in the post show, um, probably on no agenda <laughs> social. So when's the last time you were running around San Jose, man? Uh, let's see. That would have been the Chicago tour that I did. And that was 2019 or maybe like fall of 2018. I've been through a couple, a couple times. years ago. Yeah. All right. I've been through twice. Actually. Now that I think about it, Winchester house, you know, that's, uh, that's there as well. That, that's very mm-hmm. cool and spooky. Yeah. If anyone doesn't know the Winchester house, Built by the Winchester heiress, considered to be haunted, has halls to nowhere and doors to nowhere and stuff. It's very cool. I wanted to take photos inside the house when I was visiting, but they were filming a movie. And I was uh. like, I was like, well, set dressers are just going to come in and fucking change everything up anyway. So my pictures aren't even going to look like the fucking movie. <laughs> what a strange reason to not. That's so that's so bizarre. Yeah, that's so funny. It's fucking movie magic, man. I can tell you that I haven't been there either. I guess as a local, you just don't go to like the, I don't know, what you would call the attractions. Right. I guess. Yeah. It's, but, and San Jose is not that close. It's it's actually a pretty deep drive. It would probably take me like two hours to get to San Jose. Oh, yeah. Realistically. So it's not far, but it's not close either. It's, it's a day trip. You know, you yeah. If I'm going to go to San Jose, I'm going there. My mom lived in San Jose for a little bit. And I would visit her, and it's a really strange town. It's very Silicon Valley. Mm-hmm. Like people call San Francisco Silicon Valley. San Jose is like the most money washed, lifeless, soulless. Like there's so much going on, and yet nothing going on type of town that you could ever go to. It's got one of those transplanted downtown scenes where. Oh, yeah. Nobody's it, from there. Yeah. 
Uh, I have yeah. seen I have seen three separate bands in San Jose, and each concert was fucking awesome. I caught sure. Metallica, which is a, a Metallica Beatles crossover band. Um, Metallica, yeah. Uh, Oakley <laughs> nice. Dokley, which is a Ned uh, a Ned Core a Ned Flanders Core uh, death metal band. Ned Flanders Core, yeah. Fuck yeah. And uh, uh, oh man, they had this inflatable donut that they threw into the audience, and this they were just the crowd was around the entire circumference of the donut, and the thing started just um, rotating with its own centrifugal force. Beautiful, just fucking spinning around like it was in orbit in the fucking mosh pit, and then this one motherfucker dived through and like came up through the middle of the donut, so he's bouncing (laughs) the opposite uh, opposite way around in the middle of the donut. Goodness I, gracious. I have a piece of that stapled up in my fucking work box, a piece of that rubber donut, because the crowd just fucking ripped it to shreds. Just ripped it to shreds. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, and awesome. Ghost, Ghost BC was the other band that I saw there, you know, and I mean, that's about as Scooby-Doo satanic as you can get these days. Mm, mm, ghost. So. Mm. Uh, let's, I mean, they got great venues. There's no doubt about it. Right. <laughs> and the, the where did you do Chicago at? Which venue were you doing Chicago at? Uh, the it's um God, I can only think of it as the birthday cake, but it's the Frank Lloyd Wright Theater there in town. Oh, our boy Frank Lloyd Wright. Shout yeah. out to Ayn Rand's Fountainhead. Yeah, yeah. Um, the God, the names I'm blanking on it. I will say, sorry, this is a, a long tangent, but um, again, I'll, I'll put some more pictures. San Jose does have one of my all time favorite spot booths. It is probably one of the most personally touched. There's uh design. I'm uh, sorry. There's um uh string lights everywhere. There's all sorts of flyers and posters and little knickknacks that people have left. I've left stuff there. I've tagged that spot booth. I love it. It's it's a it's a very calm, comforting. Oh. Like this is somewhere that I fucking like. I just want to hang out and do the show. And like this is this is this is like a second home. It's a home away from home. It's a vacation <laughs> spot. That's awesome. There's so few. That's such a an obscure thing to have. This is my favorite. This is my favorite spot post here. That's great. Spot booth. Uh, nice. Yeah. Nice. <laughs> I I've run spot a couple times, and I have to say, there's something wonderfully powerful about running spot. Oh running yeah. A spotlight in a in an entertainment venue for for those who. Especially if it's like a dark scene and it's just you and the performer, like it's, it's a lot of fun. Sometimes it's just like, it's just boring as fuck or it is one of the most intense, like what in the fuck is this going on right now where you got seven dudes you're trying to give cues to and each one of them Mm. is picking up a green army man. The problem with green army men is they all look the fucking same and they, and Mm -hmm. they all come on on the same go. So it's just like, <laughs> hey, yeah. spot seven, you're on uh, you're on the wrong green army, man. <laughs> That's part of the magic of live theater. And I, I notice it when I see a show and the spotlights aren't perfect. I love that. I, I love it when a singer cracks. I love it when a guitarist fucks up. That's that's, you know, as long as it's just once and it's kind of like a, at the right in the right way. That's the magic of live theater. Yeah, it will only happen that one way, that time, that performance, that audience. Like exactly, the the crew will never be the same after that performance. The 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 talent will never be the same. Like the magic backstage is mixing in with the magic of the audience experiencing it. So like each production, each performance is its own. Just like 
one event in space and there will never be, be another one like it. Mm-hmm. Um, and you were there for it. If you were there. Yeah. And There's a real feeling of that <laughs> in the audience of like, we all shared this. And sometimes you can tell that the, the, the talent or the performers don't want to be there and it shows sometimes. <laughs> yeah. And you know, you can't be on every night. <laughs> no, you know, as, as you can be a professional, you can work as hard as you can. You can't be on every night, you know, um, but for sure you can try anyway. Let's uh, let's get back to Dan the Man. I believe Dan the Man one and two, so that puts us at three. Yeah, that sounds right. So uh, part three. One day I realized that we always talked about technology as this extension of our skin. I was like, okay, but let's sort of skip the metaphor and actually start doing it. And basically, this is a project that we're working on now with the people from V2, the media lab here in Rotterdam. Intimacy is a project made out of smart foils, which can change in transparency, going from white to transparent or from black to transparent. And we came up with the idea to sort of start making dresses out of that. <laughs> and which the more intimate you are with someone, the, yeah, the whiskers were happy. The whiskers were very happy. But, but it's about creating a second skin. And it, in a way, it's interesting where technology gets embedded. Because in a way, a way when, you, when you blush, yeah, when you see a nice girl, she looks at you in too long and your, your temperature goes up and your body is sort of saying that. It's a way of interfacing. And I think we redevelop <laughs> re- re- or upgrade these kind of way of communicating with each other. And basically, this project was based on an experience I had with an overseas relationship I had with a girl in Malaysia. And we... I had to talk a lot via Skype, via the the green Skype logo. And after a while, I actually forgot how she felt like. It was the wrong type of interface. And I picked her up at Schiphol Airport a few months later. And instead of her face, I saw this big green Skype logo. (laughs) And it sort of scared the shit out of me in a way. And I'm really trying to say we live in this material world and in this virtual world. And I think we we sort of need to reconnect, replug them. And we need new types of interface or at least, you know, rethink these kind of things. (laughs) Is it just weird? Is that kind of a weird statement? (laughs) It's just so like, oh, my God. And then one day I realized it's like it's like a lawyer who's like, oh, my God. And then one day I realized what I do kind of is shady, you know, and I was like, and now I'm like totally. And it's like, oh, yeah. Really? Oh, fuck. After you've made millions? Thanks. Thanks for coming to this realization. And, and then I looked at my girlfriend. I was like, holy shit. <laughs> okay. Can I just say this whole th- movement of environmentalism, it has a taste of this. You know, what? why do you become a musician, Booberry? Um, probably because of my dad. He played a, a ton of music as I was growing up. Lots of bands, actually. That's the only thing that plays... On our radio stream when we're not live is uh, his band, Rusty Gate. Oh, nice. Yeah. That's awesome. Hell yeah. I got more and music. I just haven't uh, taken the time to get it uploaded yet. Sure. Well, that's a, that's a great reason to get into music. I, I also have a musical family. So that's dope. That's kind of how you get started at a young age. You start doing music stuff. But as you get older, what's the real reason you, you stick with music? Because uh, it's I- to meet ladies. It's to impress <laughs> ladies. And, and, with this technology, like the shit he's talking about right here, and all the environmental stuff, there's a taste of like tech nerds who have been antisocial their whole lives. They finally have all this money and this power, and this is their way of like impressing women, <laughs> is mm-hmm. to like be like these big giant like advocates for all this crap. When in reality, it's just a big tax write off, and it's just a bunch of you know, it's a big racket. 
Hey, but, I've I've heard uh, I know a dude that worked a, a Bill Nye event one time, and he fucking walked out of the elevator with two two ladies arm in arm. So <laughs> you, you might be on something there. It's, and yes, Corgus, you do do it for the love of it. I mean, obviously, that the the love of it is is complex. You, you you love the puzzle of music. You love the connection with your family. You love the performance element, and, the, and that's all of that. Sure, but. There is an element of like wanting to be like good at something and wanting to impress people to, in a certain way, or at least just not be bad. <laughs> yeah. I think I think that's actually the main thing you want to do in music is just not be bad. Um, but anyway, well, uh, let's uh, let's do some. Uh, this is clip four. How do I say this? I was sort of looking at my hotel room in Hong Kong, and then I realized, you know, maybe we live in this over digitalized, over relationized, over Facebook sized little world. But how is this new world going to look like? And who's going to be in control, for God's sake, you know? And I'm highly aware that our world is sort of becoming more artificial, like these fake cardboard stewardesses who scares the shit out of you at 2 o'clock at night in Tokyo airports. And he's fucking scared of women. (laughs) Yeah, see, now you start looking at that lens, you're like, oh, God. Yeah, (laughs) I didn't catch that before. That's a good good little shout-out right there. The world is becoming more proactive, you know? It's starting to talk with us in an analog way, saying, like, recycle this, recycle that, yes, yes, no, no. And I'm aware that technology has always been a part of our society, you know, in a way of how we we see ourselves in a cultural way. And technology is right now is getting out of this computer screen and starts to get embedded, like these toilet seats in Tokyo with 35 different kind of programs, including remote control with batteries. Why do you put technology in, <laughs> in a toilet seat? I don't know, but I, I still like it in a way. There's an app for that. There's an app for that seat. There's always an app for it. I've actually used some of the toilets in Japan, and uh, I would give them the Booberius uh, official seal of approval <laughs> for um, just experience and overall uh, favorability <laughs> compared to some fucking shitholes I've uh, <laughs> been forced oh, to do imagine. some business at. <laughs> I hear that it's very clean in Japan. Yes, very much so. Very much so. You don't, There's a ton of people. You don't see fucking uh, discarded masks everywhere on the ground. I can tell you that much. No, no, no way. Yeah. No way. It's a it's a total cultural change, total shift. Yep. If anyone's filthy, they do it in their own home. They don't do it outside. <laughs> That's I'm my sure, understanding. I'm sure I've there never was been a, to Japan. There was another joke right in there. I I, I missed it though. Just so close. <laughs> Well, uh, oh, man. I think we'll uh, we'll play our last Dan clip and uh, we'll say goodbye for him. Um, there is the video of their um, their uh, their speech that they gave at the World Economic Forum. It's listed in the show notes. Please, by all means, go and check it out. It's fucking it's nutty, you know, just as nutty as any other World Economic Forum bullshit video. You know, you're going to own nothing and you're going to like it. You will eat the bugs. You will sleep in the pods. Go fuck Love yourselves. <laughs> yeah. Um, but uh, we'll say goodbye to Dan. And all this may, sort of may sound sci-fi, but it is not. You know, a hundred years ago, in 1896, the first escalator was invented as a gadget. People paid for it to go up and down. Now, if you go to the metro here in Rotterdam, and this is filmed here in Rotterdam, like you enter, it picks up your direction, and the escalator goes through with you it's an extension of who you are you don't really know how it works it doesn't really matter but it's a part of who you are if that would happen a hundred years ago 
like in the right or in the left, you would have gotten a heart attack. <laughs> but now if the escalator doesn't work, you know that feeling that you have in your legs when, when it doesn't work, you know that? That sort of didn't exist 100 years ago. And I think that's where sort of, where that's interesting how this new nature in a way sort of uh, occurs. Because I don't want to live in a world which is surrounded by objects invented by some bold guy in Silicon Valley, you know. I think this is something we should do together. I think the next revolution should not be a technological one, but a, but a social one. It's something we should do one. together. Yeah. And, you know, saying that innovation... Fucking... <laughs> Like I said, I really hate to generalize like that, but they're just fucking communists with fancy lights. When I heard it, he's like, I don't want some bald guy in Silicon Valley to make the rules. I want some bald guy here to make the rules. Yeah. That's what I hear. (laughs) Either way, some bald piece of shit gets to rule my fucking world. Yeah. Fuck these people. I I don't want your, I don't, I don't want your authoritarian bullshit. I want my authoritarian (laughs) bullshit. I want to be, yeah, yeah, that's right. <laughs> Jeez. Jeez. I, I know, I know, I know. Uh, we'll finish this off. And sort of new technology will make us better humans. Is- Sorry, new nature, new technology, new normal, new, new, new. New, new, new world. Oh, yeah. Order, baby. <laughs> I just, uh, that was the last thing I was going to point out. <laughs> Saying that because we moved from black and white to color to LCD to plasma to HD to free television programs actually gave us better television programs in a way, you know? Like, what are we talking about? And I think this is where sort of the magic starts kicking in. We're finally in the state of co-control. So while you're walking through June in the Ash and getting your interactions of light and making the artwork more intuitive, or while you're dancing on a sustainable dance floor and literally feeding the system with your electricity, creating new types of interactions, or while you're typing your name into Google, and getting the information that you want, and at the same time helping the system of paging and ranking, we together right now are building up this landscape. But at the same time, in a fuzzy, fucked up, poetic, slightly disturbed little way, this landscape is also making us. But let's make it this time an extension. An extension of our collective human skin. Oh, yeah. that was Human a- skin, their favorite thing to eat. Okay, cool. <laughs> so uh, that, uh, that kind of wraps up the Rose Garden uh, group. Um, <laughs> please go to zosascorner.substack.com. Uh, check out you know check out that website sorry i'm really trying not to say you know anymore it's not going as well as i'd hope but it turns out lots of motherfuckers say it so i, I guess i don't you know yeah, i know like you're yeah. trying to you're trying to work on your uh public speak i don't know what it, what you'd call it but just the, what adam does where he's like i'm not gonna say this word anymore right exactly <laughs> i need to get a rubber band on my wrist so i can just snap myself i learned that from a psychology teacher back in college <laughs> Um, yeah, self penance is definitely the way to go. Self flagellate yourself. Flagellate yourself. Well, I guess it would just be flagellate yourself, not self flagellate. Not flatulence, but flagellance. <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean that's uh, they got some pretty crazy shit. Uh, all their projects are listed. They got spec sheets. Frequently asked questions for a lot of this. Um, most of the links that I posted are the like. Uh, the spec sheet. So it's just pictures, none of this crazy website shit that they're trying to, you know, it's just like all these videos that play 
nonstop. Uh, I'm not the biggest like computer internet whiz, so I don't know what their websites are doing. It's just, it's, it's, it's a lot. Mm-hmm. I highly recommend their spec sheets though. Did you have any other, uh, uh, final thoughts, uh, on, on these fine individuals? Uh, I thought the material was fantastic this evening. Uh, I, I don't know. I, I, that's, I think I've said enough about it. It's, it's satanic as hell. And, uh, I don't know. It, sometimes I think to myself, are we crazy? And then it just happens again and again and again. You just see it again and again and again. The same symbols, the same stuff. Yep. Same storylines, same archetypes, same words, the same. I really think that the magic, and that I, I mean that with a hard K. The magic in the world comes through words and the fact that you can say things and people believe them and it rejects the reality that's around them. That is that is the magic in the world. If you can if you can convince something that isn't isn't true that's t- to them that it's true. What what more powerful force in the world is there? You know, it's magic isn't making things float and parting the sea. It's it's doing the most simple mundane thing that can change everything. And that is what you have to be. That's what you need to take heed of and be uh, fortify your mind against is not the fantastical, but the mundane. The mundane is out there to get you. And this stupid fucking shit, urban sun and all this dumb crap, Ted talks. It's mundane, but it, it, it does a lot when when it's collect when it's collective, you know, over right. the course every day for years and years and years. So it's a slow burn. Anyway. Slow burn for sure. Uh, I, I guess a wrap up from my side, I've always attributed magic simply as uh, symbolism and intent. And what more is language, but symbols with intent. Mm-hmm. Um, exactly. So it's uh, some really crazy shit. I'm definitely going to kind of keep my fingers on the pulse of them. See what other sort of shenanigans that they try and pull out. Um, Word. How, uh, so we are about two hours in. And I am notorious for doing fucking <laughs> three and a half, four hour uh, long episodes <laughs> at times. However, I'm not uh, nearly as uh, tipsy of I, as I have been in the past. So it's mm. uh, I'm not as inclined to just drivel on and on and on and on. Um, we have reached intermission. I don't know. Uh, do you have additional plans for tonight? Like, do you have a time limit on how long you can hang out? I have no time limit. I I'm down to get some more beers and uh and uh, continue the conversation, sir. Cool. Well, um in that case, uh when we come back, second half of show presents Satan shoes and some uh, uh some mischief. I'm, there's there's a there's a catchier way to say it, I'm sure. But we're going to be uh, we're going to be talking about this group that's produced the little Nas shoes, because I tell you what, ladies and gentlemen, it does not stop at those shoes. It does not stop at the Jesus shoes. This whole (laughs) fucking goes and goes and goes. And uh, it's 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 about as fucking weird as the first half of show, which was technically another second half of show. So, you know, what more could you want? Just two second half shows back to back. Yeah, love there's it. no first half. Yeah. Forget first half. Don't worry about it. <laughs> that would be a great t- tagline. The second half of show <laughs> podcast. The only show that gives you two second halves of a show. Absolutely. 
Well, let's uh, let's go ahead and get some intermission started. Everybody get up, stretch. Uh, I want to say this one was about nine, ten minutes long, but I'll be hanging out in the chats to let everybody know when we're about to be back. Uh, in that regards, I hope everybody enjoys what we've got lined up for you for intermission. Starting us off, this is the Zombie Dandies, Dangerous Weirdo. <laughs> is one of the most distinctive writers and performers working today. He's kind of a combination poet, jazz singer, and vagrant. He is a mix, mixture of um, Satchmo Armstrong and Humphrey Bogart. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome Tom Waits. How are you, Tom? Oh, I'm better than nothing. Yeah. <laughs> Where do you hail from professionally? Is it the Big Apple, as they call New York, I think, or is it Hollywood? Yeah. Or, uh... I live in Bedlam and Squalor. Oh. <laughs> classify yourself as, as a poet or as a singer? Which one do you like to be classified as? Uh, I'm a Methodist. How does a guy with a voice like that decide to be a singer and succeed? Well, it was a choice between entertainment and a career in air conditioning and refrigeration. Do you ever live in a car in L.A.? <laughs> well, for a brief time, I think everybody's lived in a car. It's kind of strange to have a guy sitting here with a bottle in front of him. Well... I'd rather have a bottle in front of me than a frontal lobotomy. 
in your high school about the strongest drug that you'll find used there is pimple cream. Boys <laughs> maintain that reality is for people who can't face drugs. There you go. Well, you got people working for you and everything. That's right. <laughs> It never fails, Tom. I get, you know, you can ask for anything you want on this show and we'll have someone go out and get it for you. Christ. <laughs> what was writing with Keith Richards like? Well, you know, um, you always finish something. You, uh, <laughs> you might finish the bottle. You, you, might not, you might not finish the song. What were your parents like, Tom? My father was uh, an exhaust manifold and my mother... Uh, <laughs> was a tree. Or worry about achievement? Yeah. Uh-huh. No, I worry about a lot of things, but I don't worry about achievement. No. I worry primarily about whether there are nightclubs in heaven. We're about to fire up the last number one video of the 80s, but before we do, let's take a look at Nine Who Dared. Rod Stewart kicks off the top ten with Downtown Train, up three from last week. Lou Graham inches up a notch to nine with Just Between You and Me. Skid Row moves up three to eight with I Remember You. Last week's number one is this week's Big Zero. Rockin' a Hard Place plunges to seven for the Rolling Stones. Madonna jumps three to six with Oh Father. Joe Cocker goes top five, up one with When the Night Comes. Phil Collins slides from two to four with his former chart topper, Another Day in Paradise. Janie's Got a Gun fires up two to three for Aerosmith. And Janet Jackson marches into the runner-up position, up two with Rhythm Nation. Now, I know you're not expecting this so late in the show, but that makes it a perfect time for Answer or Die. This veteran singer-songwriter who fronts one of the world's most respected bands has been a staple of rock radio since the mid-70s with hits like Refugee and The Waiting, but his greatest chart success came this past year with two independent projects. His collaboration with four superstars and his first solo album, which thus far has produced three top ten videos. Is he A, Tom Petty, B, Crazy Eddie, or C, Kruger, Freddy. If you pick A, Tom Petty, you're right. And if you pick B or C, the treatment isn't working. Now here's Tom of two spots to take over the king of the hill with Free Fallen.
rocking gig. Pretty shiny things, oh Lord, I love this shit. Pretty shiny things got me into views. Pretty shiny things got me 10,000 views. Pretty shiny things get me a TV spot. Pretty shiny things put me on top of the pops. So, this is my promise okay. to the people of the Video Podcast Network world. I will not eat a single morsel of food until Margaret Thatcher is dead and buried. She died three weeks ago. We'll be, we'll be right back with Larry King. Well, we are back, but we have no Larry King here. Welcome to the second, second half of show. For tonight's behind the schemes, we uh, <clears throat> we had a little hearse pile up there. That was the second song you heard with pretty shiny things and uh, a classic Adam Curry MTV spot with some Tom Waits classic clips. And of course, Norm Macdonald, <laughs> which I actually I, I have I, I I'm not sure if uh, Margaret Thrat- Thatcher is living or dead. I could I could check the Book of Knowledge to confirm that. But I think I, I, I'm going to let her exist as Schrodinger's cat inside of my head. She'll exist in this permanent spot of being both alive and dead at the same time. We're going to hang out here for a second. I think uh, Lavish will be rejoining us momentarily. In the meantime, um, let's see. Did I miss anything? We uh, No, I was just going through kind of what was uh, playing for intermission. Had some, like I said, Adam Curry and... Uh, Tom Waits and Hearst pile up pretty shiny things. Larry yeah. King is now a garbage pill kid. Scary Larry. <laughs> scary Larry, so scary. Larry. You're killing me, Larry. Larry, fucking Larry. Come on, Larry. Let's go there. I love that motherfucker. Larry, intro come to song. bed now. Sorry. What are you it's doing? getting late. <laughs> <laughs> I I love that guy, dude. I want to get him on the show to maybe talk about the Disneyfication of America. I think that could be a fun conversation. (laughs) Oh, oh my God. I would love that. That would be fantastic. Mm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. That would be so much fun. I would. Oh, God. He (laughs) he would be all about it, too. I think that's something he definitely would have a grasp of. The Disneyfication of America. No doubt. And of the world. Uh, you know, I'm sitting here, I'm looking at my clip list. I realized that there was one tune that I forgot to include in tonight's intermission. And if it's okay with everybody, I, I think this one's kind of important. It's important. Okay. Important. And I would like, I would like to go ahead and play it for everybody so we can all appreciate the artistry behind this song. This is called Gypsy Bach. Thank you. 
now. It kind of just seems like this this is someone dicking around on a piano, and it's hard to hear, but it is, like I said, important. And uh, we'll revisit that a little later tonight. <clears throat> but <clears throat> excuse me. But for the keeping s- it in mind. Yes, keep just keep it in your back pocket. You know, we'll uh, we'll need to pull it back out. Uh, for, for the second half, we're going to be diving into the group that is behind Lil Nas X's, uh, brand new Satan sneakers that have been released. Uh, hog story. If you, if anybody was listening live tonight, you can check them out, uh, Mondays and Thursdays, Thursdays, starting at what is it? Seven o'clock central, eight o'clock Eastern. Indeed. Five o'clock specific. Nice. And, uh, uh, and that's at hogstory.net. They did touch a little bit on some of the controversy that's existing around the shoe. Uh, just a, a, a quick little background. This company worked with Little Nas, a rapper. He, at the same time... Old Town Road fame. Uh, which I hadn't heard before. Uh, I, I've actually only listened to the Montero tune. Okay. Um, I did watch the video, you know, it was, uh, this video came out at the same time with these sneakers and everybody's in an uproar. If, uh, you know, if they're of a religious, like Christian background, I suppose, uh, because it's got all this weird sort of satanic imagery. It's to me, this is just my quick rundown on the video. Uh, the stuff at the end of the, at the end of the song where he's in hell, like he, he does the fucking, uh, pole dance into hell. Uh, the lap dance and everything to me, that's just kind of like low hanging shock value fruit uh, it is really no different to me than someone like Marilyn Manson ripping pages out of a Bible. Mm-hmm. Like it's, eh, you know, it's kind of meh. like I, it's not really that shocking. You know, he uh, spoiler so that big of a deal, basically. Right. However, the stuff at the be- uh, the beginning of the video is what really triggered me. He's like making love with the snake monster that's got this fucking crystal embedded in its third eye. And like, it's very reptilian. The lizard people. That That's where mm. I was kind of like, whoa, pump the fucking brakes here for a second, y'all. Like, what the fuck is this? And, and, you know, he's in the Garden of Eden and he's this light being, this uh, creature made of crystals. It's all very suspect. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, as soon as you get a little, as soon as you get famous, you got to dip into that imagery and that symbolism mm -hmm. you see with all the big, the big artists, the biggest musical artists. I really hate to say this for anybody, but I would be curious to know if he's had any uh, friend or family member recently pass away. Cause that sort of seems to be another recurring theme that around the same time of achieving, uh, like the, the entering, (laughs) passing the gate of light into fame. Um, there's someone, there's that, a pattern that that shows itself again and again. Yeah. yeah. After you get that great fame, somebody close to you dies. Uh, so I, I wanted to just do a quick rundown on the actual shoes. Uh, I'm not really here tonight to dive into this music video, go and watch it, make up your own opinions about it. Um, to me, like I said, it doesn't like, I'm not really outraged. I'm more just kind of like, Oh, you know, that's kind of a little in your face about the beginning of the video. I forget the name of this uh, next guy that we're going to listen to, but it turns out (laughs) it turns out that there's a lot of channels and a lot of YouTube shows about uh, unboxing and um, about shoes specifically, which is (laughs) 
Yeah, it's like these guys. Strange. Will, these guys will like. Uh, there was this one dude that sits there and live streams, and he's you know going over these different shoe releases. Some of them are um, exclusives from Nike. Some of them are custom jobs. I didn't realize that custom Nikes existed to such a big degree, and that's what's actually going on with this uh, with this release of the Satan shoes. Nike mm-hmm. did not. Um, authorize. I last I heard, and that was from Hog Story. It sounds like they might actually be dropping a lawsuit on Mischief. Mischief is the name of the company that has been um, working with Little Nas. It turns out they have a whole slew of projects, and we're gonna we're gonna touch on some of them. Um, but this is a this is just a breakdown to sort of set the sh- the the stage for the shoe and the mentality of how Mischief operates. Brad Hall here, and this is going to be a really good one. Inside this protective case is Mischief's latest work. Mischief is, of course, the same company that brought you the Jesus shoes and those $76,000 Birkenstocks. Now they've teamed up with Lil Nas X to create a controversial Air Max 97 the Satan shoes. It is really blowing up on the internet. Mischief and Lil Nas X. They really lit a fire, and there is no putting out that fire. It is a completely waterproof fire. So let's just dive into it. I'm going (laughs) to open up this very beautiful pelican case, very protective. There's a lot of foam in there, and there is a shoebox too. So here is the box for the Satan shoes. It's a very (laughs) interesting box. There are some details on there. On the top, there's a creature with some hooves. There are skulls on the back. That is very Satan-y. Just a lot of nice details <laughs> and a pretty well. I should have pulled that one as an ISO. That's very Satan-y. It's very Satan-y. Satan, Satan, Satan. It's the only Satan ISO we got right now. <laughs> uh, I know, this it's very Satan-y. So this Satan-y. so posh. So posh. <laughs> Uh, you know this this video again it's in the it's in the show notes listed uh he's he's kind of a he's kind of a wacky one he's like he's you know obviously you can hear he's very monotone um mm-hmm. and he's just got these weird ranges of excitement that's pretty funny <laughs> so uh we'll uh he'll he'll uh review the satan shoe and coming up next is the jesus shoe which you heard about made box inside you've got some more artwork you've got Another creature hugging a person. So that's kind of, maybe that's nice. I'm not sure. Also a couple of cards with Lil Nas X modeling the shoe. And then we've got the shoe, the Satan shoe. Now I did see some confusion online. This is a custom shoe. It is not an official release by Nike. It is a real Nike shoe though. This is the Nike Air Max 97. The most attention-grabbing detail on this shoe is the fact that there is this red ink and a little bit of blood in that air bubble. You'll remember that Jesus shoe, that one had holy water in there. This, it takes kind of a different turn. I will say the red liquid, it does look pretty cool in there, but knowing that it's blood, and it's human blood, kind of makes it a little bit haunting. I definitely hope that this air bubble, that it holds up because I don't want blood on me. <laughs> yeah, me neither, dude. 
<laughs> so it's got 60 cc's of red ink and one drop of human blood. Uh, it, it sounds like the blood came from the team at Mischief, which was uh, seven or eight people. I could be wrong on that one. And um, they consensually gave the blood. It wasn't like, you know, I just want to make that point. They didn't take this blood from a bank. They didn't find it by some sort of clandestine method. They gave their own blood. It was consensual, right? Yep. Uh, if you, if you, uh, scroll down to where the videos start in our show notes, you'll see a photo and that kind of encapsulates, um, part of the flair, I guess this group is going for, but, uh, as y'all are looking for that, we'll finish up Satan shoe. The numbers surrounding this shoe are all significant on that heel area. You've got six, 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 a scary number traditionally. That is because it's limited to that many pairs. Each one is individually numbered. Up front, you've got Luke 1018. And then you've also got a sticker price of $1,018. So that price represents the same Bible verse. That verse is, of course, very Satan-y as well. On that tongue, (laughs) there's this bronze pentagram. The names of the two collaborators also on the back of the heels. And then one other smaller detail. I'm not sure if this is specific to this colorway normally, but it does have this nice kind of velvety patch right here. And that's that just feels good. Now, something that is pretty interesting to me about this shoe, on foot, it almost looks like a normal colorway. It definitely doesn't scream Satan though. I really like the restraint used on the actual design. Mischief and Lil Nas X could have gone way further with it. They could have used a lot stronger Satan imagery on the actual shoe, or maybe they could have taken that blood even further. Maybe with every step you take, a little bit could squirt out. It would have been so easy to do too much with this, but they didn't. And I really appreciate that. I think it's well executed and it lets that concept do the talking. I really appreciate Mischief sending me these. It's very cool to see these in person, to see what that fuss is all about. And I think it was really well done. So thank you. They sold out within a minute. They sold out. The only 666 pairs were made, right? Yep. Dude, you know how fast? Oh, God. You know those went by in a minute. Right. Half of them were sold before they hit the open market. I'd wager. Who got number six six six? That I don't know. That I don't. I, I'm not sure. Rascally Daskal, my friend. I will say uh, most of the promotional uh, photos that I saw, it was pair six slash six six six. Pair six slash yeah yeah uh, some sort of syntax. Uh, he didn't mention it, but the Bible verse uh, on, that was listed on the side of the shoe, Luke 1018, 1018 also being the cost of the shoe, $1,018, uh, which I was just chatting with Quirkus in the chats. Uh, that does equal to five, which, you know, five pointed star, fucking pentagram, pentagon. Like, mm-hmm. <laughs> so yeah, we, we get it. You know, it, it's, it's all over. It, it's oozing. It's very in your face. The Bible verse is Luke uh, Luke ten eighteen, and I saw heaven fall like lightning from the heavens, or I saw Lucifer like lightning fall into the earth. You know something, something what depending the on the uh, translation. The chapter ten of Luke, 
which, by the way, I think is the fourth gospel of the four. There's Matthew, there's Mark, there's John, and there's Luke. And Luke is the most uh, Greek, the most Gentile of all the gospels. It's kind of actually like a descending order of going from the most Orthodox Jewish to the most, I guess, Gentile at the time is Greek. Greek culture was the most prominent. It was in Rome as well. Rome was at its heyday. And Luke, Luke was a... Like seeing the following, like a lightning from heaven. So again, that that falls again into what we were talking about earlier, what we opened with, which was illumination. The idea of the symbol of Satan being a light from heaven <laughs> that isn't the sun, but is is in a way trying to emulate the sun. So lightning, in a way, would be the most uh, natural way that we have on Earth to emulate the power of the sun. The or uh, one of the ways. Uh, the preceding verse, uh, verse 17, and the 70 return again with joy saying, Lord, even the devils are subject unto us through thy name. Verse 18, and he said unto them, I beheld Satan as lightning falling from heaven. Verse 19, behold, I give unto you a power to tread on serpents and scorpions and all over the power of the enemy and nothing shall by any means hurt you. Uh, and then let's see, man, it's been so long since I've read through the Bible. Or, did you grow up religious by any chance? Is that okay uh, for me to ask? I did not, like, compared to other people. Like, my parents weren't particularly religious. I went through a sort of a religious education type of thing that was extracurricular when I was young. But I just read through a fantastic book, or I've been reading through a fantastic book for a long time, which is, you know, Isaac Asimov, who did oh, yeah. iRobot and found, you know, all that. He, he, he was a fantastic writer, and he wrote a, a secular analysis of the Bible, which I've been reading. And it's been really great. So a lot of this is like fresh in my memory because of the, just the fact that I'm going through this shit right now. Cool. But uh, if if you want to read, uh, if you want to know about the Bible, but you don't actually want to like just sit there and read the Bible and such and such begot such and such and just blow your brain out every day trying to do that, you can read other books that, you know, talk about the Bible in a modern context. And that's a great one that was written probably in the 50s or 60s, but it's still... Just it's spot on. The language is spot on. The references are spot on. The cultural references are still, for the most part, just as prevalent today as they were back in the fifties. You know, it's it's a really great book if you want to understand the Bible. But hell, uh, hell yeah, if you're looking for something to read, a little light reading. Well, <laughs> while uh, while you're while you're doing that little light reading, you could do that light reading with your brand new Jesus shoe kicks. Brad Hall here. And I've got an exciting one for you today. I've got the viral sensation, the Jesus shoes, and I am going to talk about them. And then after I talk about them, I'm going to try to answer this question. Is this shoe the ultimate flex shoe? In my hands right now, the Jesus shoe, Mischief, a cool agency out of a cool city, Brooklyn, New York. They sent this to me and they came up with this concept, kind of poking fun at the collabs. This one is an imagined collaboration between Nike and Jesus. They've packed so many cool details into this collaboration. If you smell it, it's supposed to smell like frankincense, which I've never smelled before, but it it definitely has an odor in there. You've got some smaller details too, right on these laces. You've got a nice metal charm, some writing on it, which is a Bible verse, which is about Jesus walking on water. And then down here 
in this air bubble. It is filled with water, so it's kind of like walking on water, which is a very cool concept. It's unlike anything I've seen before. So now I try to answer the question, is this shoe the ultimate flex shoe? I forgot to pull up that. Uh, <laughs> is it the ultimate flex shoe? Yeah. Oh my God. Um, shit. I lost the, uh, I lost what Bible verse it was, man. It was 1018, Luke 1018. No, for, uh, for the Jesus shoe. Cause they did a different one. Matthew, oh, they did. Oh, let's see. Matthew 1425. And that mm. is, um, and in the fourth watch of the night, Jesus went into them walking on the sea. So a fairly self-explanatory again, I think they did 60 cc's of water supposedly, uh, blessed from the river Jordan. Mm-hmm. Um, Matthew has all the numerology tied to the classical Judaism. It's, it's all about twelves and, and that sort of thing. Oh, 12 right. Apostles. The, right. The 12 apostles for sure. And that ties into, um, Zodiac stuff, oh, 12 constellations. Right. Yeah. So uh-huh. Matthew ties into a lot of that, the classic, classic old school. It's always trying to make parallels to Old Testament stuff. So. Maybe, uh, maybe, maybe this is worth a revisit at, at this point, you know, as far as like kind of gaining new understandings of uh, magic and, and numerology and symbolism. Yeah. And just another retelling of it. Right. Interesting. For sure. If the theory is that it just, it's timeless and every generation finds their own way to play with it. Yeah. Um, so do you want to, do you want to find out if the Jesus shoe is the ultimate flex? Uh, yeah. (laughs) Now, why is it a good flex shoe? Number one, prestige, having that Jesus name attached to it. It doesn't get much bigger than that. Then you've got price at a retail price of 1425, very expensive and it sold out quickly. Now it's going for even more than that. So it's an expensive shoe. When you wear an expensive shoe, that is definitely a flex. It's got the scarcity factor. It's important that a flex shoe have cool factor. This definitely does. Like I said, that water in the air bubble, that will turn some heads out in public. Now the last (laughs) factor is hype. It is going viral as we speak. Let me just... Who is this fucking my guy? Notes here. <laughs> it's already been on. It's uh, God. Let me get his name. It's uh, it's down here somewhere. <laughs> this guy is a crack up, dude. It's the best shoe ever. Don't fucking stop me. There's nothing you can do about it. Yeah. Hype, hype, Brad- life for for life. His name is uh Brad Hall, and uh, yeah, just like his body <laughs> language in the chair in the video. Please, please go check out our Thanks, show notes Brad. and fucking <laughs> just <laughs> watch this video. <laughs> Um, it's like, it, it's so, it's like a, such a repressed enthusiasm. I, I don't know how else quite to describe it. It's just cold blooded ambition. This guy is standing on the stage being like, look, this shoe is everything. It's my whole life. Hey, I, well, I don't know. It's, man, yeah. again, you might be onto something because you go and watch some of the unboxing videos with a, with a younger creator and the hype is fucking, I mean, it is like those guys are fucking <laughs> off the rails. It's all about the hype, baby. That's that's all everything is nowadays. Well, we'll uh, <laughs> again make make room beside that uh, little piano tune in your pocket for me, if you would. Try J- will. So uh, we'll uh, we'll finish up on Jesus shoe. Seth Meyers, Daily Blast Live, Men's Health dot com, the Tech E Blog, Ninety Eight Rock, 
Tampa Bay's Rock Station, K102, Minnesota's <laughs> Country Station, and this guy my Dwyer and Michaels, 97X, the Classic Rock Authority. It has a lot of qualities that a flex shoe should have, but I don't think it's the ultimate flex shoe, not quite at least. Here's why. Number one, one of the biggest indicators of a flex shoe has PJ Tucker, a notorious shoe hound, worn it in an NBA game. He has not yet, so that could change, but as of now, that's a strike against it. Number two, it's not officially licensed. Nike did not produce the shoe, and Jesus' estate did not sign off on it. The final reason, it's not (laughs) quite the ultimate flex shoe. There are more expensive shoes that you can wear. The Nike Yeezys, the M&M, Michael Air Jordan 4. You could even wear two gold nuggets on your feet. So not quite the ultimate flex shoe, but a very good candidate. Wow. Gold nuggets. I, I just, man, the way this episode's coming together. Yeah, you heard about these Yeezys though? You seen those Yeezys, dog? No, those I know nothing are... about shoe, shoe culture. Oh, you don't do you? are not a shoe guy. I've worn almost consistently fucking steel-toed shoes and Converse's since I was okay. been about fifteen. You know, Converse are always stylish, so yeah. you've got you've got some taste there. And, and steel toes <laughs> are fucking awesome too. So don't put yourself down. But uh, the Yeezys, though, this Kanye shoe. And, like, that guy has made so much money off of that. They're saying that he's worth a billion now these days, which I don't know about that. But just just from his clothing line alone, hundreds of millions through the shoes and through, like, basic tall tees. That's his whole brand. Yeah. Well, and that's that's the same, uh, same sort of magic happened with Michael Jordan, right? Yeah, but... Jordan's, I mean, you can get the class, like, like these Air Maxes, right? There's a lot of money in, in fraudulating those, that shoe. Oh, right. They're talking about the 97 Air Maxes, right? Like that's kind of part of that brand or at least like associated with that brand. And that's that definitely when Nike was coming up under Jordan, you got to understand that Nike would be nothing without Michael Jordan. Gotcha. And through Michael Jordan, Nike was able to gain a foothold in, in professional basketball and propel themselves to the global stage just with that sport alone. They have such a dominance in basketball through through the Jordan brand. And uh, I have a deep conspiracy that it really doesn't play well to anyone on No Agenda because No Agenda generally, it's not a big sports place. People, you know, there, there are a lot of people that are into sports, but not a lot of people talk about it just because it's not really the, the, the zone to talk about it. But I have a, a deep conspiracy concerning Nike and basketball because I'm a big basketball fan and a big sports fan in general. And uh, all the things that we talk about tie into the monopolies that these certain franchises such as Nike and Adidas and and certain large telecom companies, they have a large part in AT&T actually has a massive part to play in professional sports. And they all have their hands in the honeypot. You know what I mean? They got They all make shit happen and there's fixed games and there's shit that goes down there's a i forget his name but i i usually go to him because he's got a really sick uh gamatria calculator and uh greg carlwood of the higher side chats has featured him a lot but part of his business model is if you buy into to what he's got to say and like you you know pay for the subscriptions and the and the and the services and whatnot he'll give you the numerology behind um, sports games and allegedly mm-hmm. 
like he's got a really fucking high return rate of being uh, correct or positive with his guesses. Sure, because it's based on a mathematical pattern. It's not based on something that's like foolish and based, you know, superstition. It's he's talking about numbers. He's talking about shit that happens again and again and again. Right, and I, you know, trust me, like I, I totally, I'm starting to kind of feel that way with the entertainment industry. Like you've got. Um, you know, you've got Hollywood for sure, but you know, I, I used to think that being in theater, you're like kind of outside the normal sort of nine to five, but the more you start touring, the more you start playing different venues, the more you start realizing these big banks that fund the venues, these mm-hmm. like, uh, legacy families, like the DeVos family, um, mm-hmm. you know, they have their mm-hmm. own fucking theater. Oh yeah. They're old money. They're old East coast money. Yeah. You know, that ties into BlackRock, uh, the mercenary group BlackRock, which then became something else. It's named something else now. And now BlackRock is like one of the biggest hedge funds in the world, which they still got ties to the family. So just every time you see BlackRock, which again ties to the Saturn cube that we were talking about earlier, <laughs> it just never ends, dude. Just all the dots. You, you could, we, we could sit here all day and just talk about all the dots that, but uh, no, the DeVos family, yeah, they, they're just your typical East Coast old money douchebags. Well, um, did you catch what the name of the organization was that's uh, been releasing these religious themed shoes? Uh, I don't think so. So the group is called Mischief. M- Mischief. Yes. Yeah, all that's caps, right. M-S-C-H-F. They did the, the demon shoes, not the Jesus shoes. No, they did them both. They did them both. Yes, they've done quite a bit, actually. And uh, if you look at this Business Insider article, uh, part of the headline really sticks out to me. A company that runs on, quote, structured chaos is going viral and selling out products in minutes from Jesus shoes to toaster shaped bath bombs. Here's a here's a couple of quotes from from the article. Um, A brand of what? I don't know. Being a company kills the magic. Gabriel Whaley recently told Business Insider, we're trying to do stuff that the world can't even define. Now, when we're talking about Gabriel from here on out, he is the creator and I guess CEO of Mischief. Mm -hmm. He is the brains behind the operation. Our perspective. Sorry. No, no. Keep going. Our perspective is everything uh, is funny in a nihilistic sort of way, Whaley said. We're not here to make the world a better place. We're making light of how much everything sucks. Before mischief, Whaley was a West Point Military Academy dropout who was already heralding goofy viral projects on his own, such such as an app that was essentially tender for airplane travelers. His work landed him a brief stint at BuzzFeed. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, in 2013, but he left after a year when the department he worked for was shut down. He officially launched Mischief in 2016. Uh, now there are 10 employees strong. There are mostly 20 somethings, including just one woman who was hired in 2020. Um, that's a, uh, <laughs> I actually saw that line quite a, quite a few times over. They, they, they listed how many employees and they're like, with just one woman. Uh, if we can, if we can make people a fan of the brand and not the product, we can do whatever the fuck we want. Greenberg, the head of commerce told business insider, we build what we want. We don't care. We're in this weird place where we're not really thinking like a business. Greenberg said, we just do shit and people buy our stuff. What a typical Silicon Valley outfit. Well, you know, they, they really try to present themselves as this sort of like super hip, 
uh, on the bleeding edge of new ways to market, not um, not like a consistent product, but like this viral idea, right? So every other fucking VC-backed Silicon Valley company ever. Well, you know, they they, they pull in like tons of money for some of this shit. Uh, well, they've obviously had some success. I bet they made some money on that Tinder shit, the airplane Tinder thing that you were talking about. They have they have a whole litany of shit. I mean, if you yeah. go to their if you go to their website, um I I want to say it's in the like the 40s the amount of drops that they've done. They do a drop every 2 weeks. There's an app associated <laughs> with the company. You sign up for the app and then that will give you the heads up of like when this stuff is supposed to come down the pipeline. There's some nice. like level two stuff. I'm assuming you have to pay or be in the app. I didn't fucking bother to check it out. I don't care that much. You know? Oh man, people are eating that up. They're dropping so much coin on that site. Just, just trying to be like, oh yeah, I'm part of something. That's that's kind of what a lot of these companies try to do too. You want to be part of something. Yeah, you want to be you want to be part of something big, right? You're yeah, gonna be a star. You gotta be a big star? big star. You're gonna be a star, baby. That's right. Um, before we get into any further clips, uh, sorry, um, get into some of their projects. I've got this other article. This was a New York Times. And uh, based off of a conversation that I had with Quirkus uh, last week, we even did a bit in the show over it uh, of uh, 2020 being a, a representative of Zozo because the twos kind of look like Z's if you, th yes. if you squint hard enough. Yes. Uh, how to run a business in Zozo. Mischief isn't a, a sneaker company. It rarely even produces commercial goods and its employees are reluctant to call it a company at all. They refer to Mischief, which was founded in 2016 as a brand, uh, group, or collective, and their creations, which appear online every two weeks as, quote, drops. A white pentagram covers the entrance floor. On a visit in December, an inflatable severed swan's head dangles, uh, dangled from the ceiling beam and a rubber chicken bong, a recent drop, sat on a coffee table full of weed. Oh, my. <laughs> it's not a full-time job. He said, this is how we live. The distinction between your work and normal life doesn't really exist here. And it's just because this is what we were doing, whether we were getting paid or not in our former lives. So nothing has really changed except we have more power as a unit than we did as individuals. Uh, well, <laughs> again, collective, collective. And you know, I don't have, I don't have, I don't have a problem with the with the concept of collectives. I think I think in the right regards, I think it can it work harmoniously with the concepts of uh, capitalism. And I believe it was Sir Bemrose who was expressing the ideas of like, you know, the, the concept of something like communism works inside of the home with the family. And then that family as a, as a unit, like works with uh, other families in, in, in a capitalistic way. They interact mm -hmm. with society. So, you know, I've been a card holding union member for eight years now, and there's things I like about the union. There's things I don't like about the union. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, I'm the same. I, I also work in a union based company. I, I'm of the same opinion. There are pros and cons to a union, and there's just pros and cons to any sort of power play. Right. Yeah. You know, sense. power, uh, power corrupts. Absolute power absolutely corrupts. Yes, that is a totally true statement that proves itself again and again and again, <laughs> again and again. Oh, how can you keep proving yourself so hard? <laughs> oh, so much proofing. <laughs> Would you prove me? <laughs> prove you so hard. Prove I'd, so hard. I'd, pr I'd prove me. <laughs> Sorry, I got I got to drop it a, a register. I'd prove me. <laughs> oh, 
Oh, yeah, she was a big girl. Oh, she's a big fat lady. Oh, oh I love that. Oh, God damn it. I love that movie so much. <laughs> oh, wait. Did you know that when 2008 happened, I, I all day long, that whole year, I was like, 2008. <laughs> and that was a direct <laughs> Buffalo Bill reference. Because she's like, uh, she comes to his house, she goes, have you seen so-and-so? And he goes, no, I haven't. Oh, wait. Was she a great big fat lady? And that's the quote. If I had a soundboard like like all the cool kids do, I would I would bust it out. But it's an obscure fucking stupid Silence of the Lambs reference. That's one of my favorites. One of my favorites. I like it. I, I should I should totally start fucking clipping up that movie for sure. You got a you got a fancy you got some tech sitting around to spit out sound clips. Uh, you know, I'm actually just using an iPad. Um, there's an application okay. called uh, uh, GoLab, which is based off of QLab. It's audio playback software for mm-hmm. Apple. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, you can just create these like soft buttons or just fucking buttons on a tablet. Does it have a standby button? Standby Go? No, I, I got rid of all the extra <laughs> shit so I can I, I can uh, maximize the screen out with buttons. And it's a it's a one two three four five by two three five six seven eight. So it's a it's a five by eight board. I can get thirty five buttons on there per page. Mm. Um, some of the like the the response isn't the greatest. FBI, open up! This is all Mickey Mouse shit, man. <laughs> hey, man! If you don't get behind the schemes, the schemes will get behind you. Yeah, yeah, that's right, Delorean. Yeah, I really appreciate them doing that for us. Um, so I can't love like, those guys. Hell yeah! I was on their show last week. It's uh, they're so nice. They're so sweet. We uh, I haven't really uh, talked about it too much, but uh, Sir Spencer, Sir Seatsitter, and myself are starting a new No Agenda live sh- uh, uh, podcast review show. So we'll uh, we'll be pulling a show from the No Agenda stream and a show from outside the No Agenda community and just doing little mini dives into what we like about the shows. Nice. So you're going to, in that way, you're going to cover the NA universe, but also introduce new material. Yeah. The rest of the podcasts in the universe. Because there's a bigger, there's a federated universe outside. Absolutely. Um, and Nice. That'd be awesome. I'm excited. We had a, we had a really good time uh, Sunday, so I think uh, we'll do it every other Sunday starting out, and uh, we're still deciding on a name. So <laughs> that'll be great. I want to tune into that. That'll be it's an excellent uh, collection of individuals. Hell yeah, be just great, just fine. Well, uh, in that regards, I do I do have an ISO for this specific moment. Thanks, Fletcher. Off the rails. Off the rails. Is that a Fletcher OG? It is. Oh my goodness. Yeah, he sent it to me after uh after I showed up on Hog Story for the first time. <laughs> Man, I've been on Hog Story. He's never sent me any custom music. He must have been a great <laughs> guest. <laughs> uh, I'll uh, I'll actually be with them on uh April um God, it's the Thursday after next. So the 15th. Yeah. That one. April or 15th. no, the eighth, the eighth, one of them. Cause the next, <laughs> this Fred, this Thursday is the first. So next Thursday is the eighth. Okay. Right. That sounds right. Yes. All right. So Boobery is going to be live on hog story with John Fletcher and Carolyn Blaney. And I'm bringing clips from the PMRC hearings. Nice. <laughs> Hell yeah. 
let's see. So this company, it was formed in 2016. Uh, they're based out of, it says they run out of Phoenix, Arizona. Um, but I keep seeing stuff about them um, having been established in Brooklyn, New York. So that's mm-hmm. that's kind of weird. And Phoenix is a super spooky town. Like there's a lot of weird shit going on there. Arizona just shouldn't even exist. <laughs> well, there's but, there's parts of Arizona I really like. I really not the like. I'm not no slight against the people. I'm just saying. I, I feel the same way about Los Angeles. Okay, so mm. let me just put it that way. I I can I can be with, I can be with you on that one about, about L A. L A. just shouldn't even exist. But but please continue. Um, the company yep runs out of Phoenix. The goal of the company is two things, according to Whaley, the creator: nihilism and mischief. They don't want to make the world a better place. They want everyone to know how much the world sucks. In this article labeled the company that creates chaos, there's that word again. Number Mm -hmm. one, appeal to the Internet. Mischief always makes sure to stay ahead of trends and appeal to Internet culture so that people like them. Number two, uh, exclusivity. Mischief has new drops every two weeks and on the second, second and fourth Mondays of the month. Uh, The drops are highly exclusive. Uh, only a few thousand of the shoes were uh, of the Jesus shoes were made. Um, one a thousand. Yeah. A see. thousand Jesus shoes. Okay. Uh, a few thousand. I'm sorry. A few thousand. A few thousand. Uh, another way that mischief feeds the flames is through early access to drops and secret drops. That's through the app. Uh, the secret drops are randomly given to random people of app users who are then only the only people with access to them. Uh, Early access to drops involves a secretive process that only the company itself has true knowledge of. It's a funny way to phrase it. Hmm. Number three, brand popularity. Mischief has managed to give a company a personality because companies are people too, and an <laughs> extremely likable personality at that. The complete lack of pattern, but a high concentration of quality in the air uh, in their drops leads to people becoming fans of mischief, not the products that they make. This allows the company to do whatever chaotic thing they want. Uh huh. That's part of branding. Yeah. Well, that's my fucking argument with like how 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 could Google nail it so hard where they took their brand and turned it into a fucking verb? You, they became everything that they said they wouldn't be in the beginning. Well, you know, think about it. They, they they didn't really mean that do no evil part. <laughs> they did for a long time. And then one day they didn't. And you're like, oh, fuck. <laughs> oh. oh, no. Oh, no. It was over. Well, uh, let's see. Number four, uh, not caring. Whaley has made very clear in interviews that he does not care about making money, although they have no trouble with that, or even being a company. Saying in the interview with Business Insider, being a company kills the magic. We're trying to do stuff that the world can't even define. So those uh, those couple of items in your back pocket. You don't even know what we're trying to do. (laughs) You have no concept. You don't even know, man. You don't even know me. Yeah, I don't know you. That's you my purse. You've never known me. You've never <laughs> tried to know me. Anyway, yeah, so, uh, so they're... <laughs> hey, these guys are nutty. And uh, at this point, we're going to go through a couple of the products. We are running a little on the long side. I, it's just, you know, the nature of it. Uh, so mm. this so is... Uh, let's do a quick gamut of their other products. Yeah, this is the Asomnobot 3000. Time you can't sleep. A mattress company wants to help you pass the time. There's a startup called Casper. It's created an Insomnibot 3000, a quote, friendly, easily distracted bot that you could text for hours of mindless chat. The bot is especially busy between 11 p.m. and 5 a.m. 
I needed that two nights ago. <laughs> yeah, you had the insomnia. I had you? insomnia. That's bad for someone on this shift. <laughs> All right, Jill, thank you so much. Thank you. Well, the Mall of America. I guess I could have cut the Mall of America out there. Um, yeah, so disturbing. they got this bot. You can text it fucking late, late at night. I know that's not the only thing that I guess that she needed at night, but it's fine. <laughs> um, some of the other products that they got, uh, there's one called Zuck Watch. It's a website that looks like old school Facebook. Uh, there's a section where you punch in a password and log in. Problem is nobody knows, uh, nobody knows what the password is. Apparently I found the fucking discord where people are trying to crack the code, but it doesn't sound like anybody's, uh, made it all that far yet. Mm -hmm. I guess I should have saved what number of drops these were cause they're all listed, um, but you just have to go and check out their website. Um, the next one that they got is called Severed Spots. They took this $30,000 painting that's a series of 88 spots, uh, uh, different colored spots, and they took an X-Acto knife and they cut the spots out individually. And like I said, they, they bought this uh, painting on auction for about $30,000. And then they went and took each spot and sold it for $480. And then, <laughs> and then the, the sheet that they cut it out of, they turned around and, and bid that off for uh, $261,400. So people want it. <laughs> I can't explain it. <sighs> I cannot explain it. Another product that they got, Alexa Gate. Alexa Gate is a fucking cap that you put over your Alexa and it's got these ultrasonic sound waves that'll block out the microphone, except for when you oh, turn it off. Oh, give me a fucking break. Yeah. Oh, my God. So now they're making products that you're like, oh, my God, Alexa listens to me all day. I'll buy another product that will make uh, Give me. Uh, I just. Uh, it disgusts me, boobs. Disgust me. Uh, this one. Uh, this one's actually listed with a manifesto. A lot of them have manifestos uh, as links on these uh, individual pages, these like project pages. I'll read through this one real quick. Large swathes of public busily, uh, busily outfitted their own personal cells in a corporate pen, uh, panoption. P-A-N-O-P-T-I-C-O-N. Panoption. I have no idea. Or panopticon. I have no idea, what that uh, no idea what that means. But it's a uh, following a friendly Ikea style diagrams and lulled by. Oh, it's the prison. The style of prison where you have a central watchtower. Oh, uh, okay. And you okay. can watch multiple levels. You can see every cell within a prison from a central watchtower. It's the design of, yeah, Panopticon. Is that is that what it is? A yeah. Panopticon? Yes. I'll, uh, I'll post that one in the chats. Um, so large swathes of public busily outfitted their own personal cells in the corporate Panopticon following friendly Ikea-style diagrams and lulled by blue-green LED glows in the pursuit of voice-activated toasters. Here we insert a record, <laughs> squat, uh, record scratch. Quick cut to show the NSA sweating for years over the secretive labor of clandestine wiretapping of the American public, shaking its head in disbelief. This is, of course, old news, but it bears repeating. The Amazon Echo records everything it hears in your home 24-7 and archives it to Amazon's cloud storage. The always on into your phone, etc. Yeah, well, exactly. The fucking everywhere. Uh, just wait till it's fucking public cameras, you know. Your TV. Yeah, everything. It's unbelievable. The Internet of Things. IoT. Shout out. 
the always-on evil microphone is cartoonishly villainous, yet wholly unsurprising. Perhaps you don't subscribe to the notion that Facebook always listens through your phone's mic, but ask yourself at least this in all honesty. Do you think the Echo, quote, mute button really does anything? Alexagate is an adversarial retrofit. It is useless without the context of an Amazon Echo in the same way that a phone, uh, phone case is useless without a phone. Unlike a case meant to preserve the data it holds in as close to a factory direct state as possible or variably to compensate for poor cell network receiver architecture or to shore up the uh, hubristically poor structural integrity of a too thinly milled aluminum unibody Alexa gate specifically hamstrings that echoes the echo manufacturer's intent. Jesus, this is a fucking mouthful. And so they get you try to bore you with all this bullshit to beat around the bush about the fact that you can turn off your phone, you can turn off your TV, you can turn off your Alexa. It doesn't matter. The fucking thing will listen to you. Right. And, you know, it's 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 selling an idea like they don't really give a shit about the profit. It's like, can we sell this meme? <laughs> that's that's the ultimate deal. The whole thing about the basic building block of the conspiracy community is you follow the money. And when there's certain things that lose money like this or like other business ideas that we hear about all the time on no agenda, when a th- when something is obviously not profitable, you have to question it. You have to question why it exists if it is not a profitable thing. One of the good examples I'll bring up is JCD talking about a book tour. One of the things he talks about is how if the CIA want to wash money and they want to promote an idea, they'll put one of their stooges on a book tour. Wow. And you have to pay all this money. I mean, writing a book is not a profitable venture. You're not going to make money writing a book if you're going to do a one or two or three off thing, unless you're going to just make that your whole life and you're going to run around and tour and do it. That costs money. It, it, when somebody has a very successful book tour, some obscure person who writes some obscure book who's pushing some obscure narrative that ties in with what we're talking about. That's just people moving money and and putting them in a position where if anybody else, if you or I were to do that, we couldn't do it because we wouldn't be able to afford it. It wouldn't be profitable to us to do something like that. It'd be really hard to self-finance, yeah. It'd be extremely difficult to finance something like that. You'd have to assume a payoff. But for other people, they can go on these book tours that theoretically cost hundreds of thousands of dollars, dollars, $100,000, $200,000 tour the country, give all these speeches, do all this shit for a book that's like, who cares? And you have, that's a small example of something that's, that applies itself in every field if you keep an eye out for it. Why does this exist? This only bleeds money. And I think the same way about the coronavirus advertising. Who pays for all this shit? Who pays for all of this vaccine a- advertisement? I, I mean, wanna, it's just so much money. I want to know about the ones that are doing the professionally shot videos, uh, the dance videos at the hospitals, because some of the some of that shit looks pro. Of course, you would know better than anybody that how much time and energy and therefore money goes into the production of these things. Yeah, a lot of this shit. Like you got. I mean, I'm not saying like they they planned it out in some ways that the agenda twenty one was planned out, but like doesn't have to go all the way to the top, but. No, but like it takes time to like work this shit out. You know, it's like we got to fucking choreograph this whole thing and figure out what the shots are going to be. And like we got to do multiple takes and rehearsals like we got to have the right lighting and we have to have someone who can edit it and knows the editing video editing yeah, software and we have to publish it. And 
It's very suspect. There's a lot of money and time that goes into these things, even though people take it for granted now. But the when I go on the bus and every little fucking advertisement on the bus is like, you know, safe distance and vaccine shit and all this shit. Somebody pays for all that. McDonald's and Jack in the Box, they used to pay for all that. And they don't get to anymore. Now, you know, Bill Gates and, and the homeboys, they get to just put their shit on everything. <laughs> and and you know they pay up the ass for it. You know they pay up, up the fucking ass for it. Globalism. All of that. I put that shit on everything. Darn. Someone's <laughs> footing the bill. There is no such thing as a free lunch. Everything is paid for. No doubt. Yeah, I'm, I'm so. with you on that one fully. Yeah. Uh, there was one last uh, quick little. <laughs> this one's just kind of funny. In the frequently asked questions, if you look at the very bottom, one of the questions is, "I love surveillance, and I'm enthralled to Daddy Bezos. Should I buy this product?" <laughs> dot dot dot. No. <laughs> uh, let's see. Daddy did the Bezos. Ser- we did the severed severed spots. Death of the influencer. This one's kind of interesting. Um, so it's this whole like epitaph to an influencer who's died. Um, I'm not going to take the time to read it out cause it's, it's a little bit of a mouthful, but it's, uh, it's kind of poetic. The backside to this is they created an Instagram, um, uh, profile that you could text their number and they would post whatever that you sent them. And that included photos as well. Mm. It's, uh, it's, <laughs> I mean, most of the stuff that was on there was just kind of like lame. I don't know how, like, I don't mean to be a shithead, but it's not, uh, it's not as like, not as striking, I guess. If you, if you look at the way that they've designed and, and, and wrote this webpage and then go and look at the Instagram channel, it's like, it's kind of lame, I guess is what I'm mm-hmm. saying. But the whole idea is that they, this influencer dies and they get the collective to step in and take over that role. <laughs> Uh, yeah that's not good there's there's some like there's some weird sort of like uh you know i don't want to say black magic too early but there's some you know it's like you already got the blood magic now you got this idea of like it's not resurrection but it's like it's uh putting on a mask almost like i don't know it's a form of uh was it necromancy where you're bringing something back from the dead that is gone but invoking would be the word yes invoking is the perfect word yes uh let's see next up we've got in the year 2024 we're holding future president's urls ransom you can buy shares and get paid all shares sold out this is who they think is going to be running for president in 2024 Kanye West, Mike Pence, Ted Cruz, Oprah, uh, AOC, excuse me, Hale OC, Donald Trump Jr., Nikki Haley, Larry Hogan, Mike Pompeo, Marco Rubio, Tucker Carlson, John Cash, Liz Cheney, Megan Kelly, Ben Shapiro, Paul Ryan, Goodness Matt Gates, <laughs> Kimberly Guilfoyle, I'm not sure who that is, Mitt Romney, <laughs> Cuomo, Ugh. Uh, Stacey Abrams, Cory Booker, Joseph Kennedy III, Amy Klobuchar, Gavin Newsom, Gretchen Whitmer, Andrew Yang, Meghan Markle. Meghan Markle, goddamn. Uh, Bezos is on here, Buttigieg, Bill Gates, uh, two Castro brothers, Michelle Obama. These guys are off their fucking rocker, man. So they what they did is they went and bought up all of these potential web domains that they would use for their campaign. Sure, which is a smart thing to do. Yeah, sure. and then they just uh, in case. Oh, The Rock is in here too. Dwayne Johnson, The Rock. Yeah. <laughs> um, 
We broke each URL into 100 shares that we are now selling. You buy a share of the URL. When we resell it, you get a cut. Oh, of do they profits. have URL ETFs now? Is that the idea? Some sort of some sort of split mutual fund partnership where you get a part ownership of of a a website and its domain. It sounds like it sounds like they're literally just holding the ransom. Uh, uh, holding sorry, holding the URL ransom. And they want these candidates to pay big but money. But you can invest in it. You can buy parts of the site. Well, you're not you're not actually it's like you're buying shares of the profit from it. You're not I don't think the the people that have oh. bought in are actually like having any real stake, you know, any real ownership. See, of- it is like an ETF. <laughs> you buy into the ETF, not into the actual stock. An ETF buys stock and you buy the ETF, which isn't the stock itself. It's Something that owns the stock. Gotcha. But yeah. Yeah. That's uh, interesting. We got, uh, oh, this one's pretty interesting. The Persistence of Chaos, 2019. This is one of their first, if not first. Uh, they sold a laptop, a Samsung from 2008 with six pieces of malware installed on it. Six of the biggest uh, malware attacks, I guess, ever. And they sold it at auction for $1.3 million. To who? Oh my God! Anonymous. Kill that guy. Anonymous. Oh my God! You're gonna disappear like a shadow in the night. Give me a break. <laughs> they got. Uh, it was loaded with my doom, uh, which was potentially commissioned by Russians, uh, Russian email spammers. It was one of the fastest spreading worms. It's projected mm-hmm. that this virus caused 38 billion in damages. It's got so big, which was a worm and a trojan that circulated through emails as viral spam. It could copy files, email itself to others, and could da- damage computer software. Uh, Wanna cry? A viral, a virulent uh, ransomware crypto worm. Dark tequila and black energy, uh, which used two sophisticated rootkit process injection techniques, robust encryption, a modular architecture known as a dropper. It was used in a cyber attack that promoted a large scale blackout in Ukraine in 2015. Brutal. Huh. That's interesting. 2015, not too long ago. I know. And we remember what happened in Ukraine a couple of years ago. Oh, boy. Ukraine. Poor Ukraine. Yeah. Um, sorry. There's just three left. Times Newer Roman. They increased Times New Roman by 1.5 widths. They made a longer text that ends up being like when you write it all out, it's like 30% uh, more full looking. So they made it represent the American people who have also gotten 30% thicker in the last couple of years. <laughs> uh, apparently what they, what they equate it to is like changing the size of your periods uh, when it comes to like writing these papers for school and shit. Oh, that's, that's a good call. Yeah. Yeah. You want to, th- yeah, I would do that all the time. Did you ever do that in school? I want to say I did it younger, but I don't think as much in college because it got to the point where I did enjoy writing. Oh, I enjoy writing, but I would blow off school. Like in college, I would I would always write it like the night before. Yeah. I mean, like if you look at it, they've got it overlaid with the old times uh, Roman and the newer one. Mm-hmm. And it's almost like half a character longer by the end of it. It's pretty it's pretty nuts. Well, there you go. Another dumbing down of the education system on part of the American <laughs> education. Great, great, good to know. You know, if you were smart, you could do that on your own. You just take it from a 12 to a 12.5 font. Yep. And there you go. No doubt. 
uh spots ramp- spots rampage you can take one of those fucking skynet robo dogs and connect via your phone and and uh do some rampage in an art exhibit that features those brillo boxes from fucking warhol mm. <laughs> and it like fucking cycles through so you know these pe- these people are selling you know not just products but ideas and experiences and memes that's they're meme dealers which is what everything is now. Well, Apple, Tesla, all the biggest companies, Microsoft, they're all meme dealers, dude. The whole economy runs on memes the, now. The media, absolutely. The meme media. Russiagate is a meme. All it's a meme. meme. Everything's a meme. Trump was a meme. Biden's a meme. It sucks. It sucks. Well, let's, uh, so we were talking t- 2016 was when this group was founded. Here's, okay. here's an article from Mashable. This site makes it easy to judge your Facebook friends who like Trump. They devised an, uh, a website where it would look through social media and take a guess if people were into Trump or not. Mm-hmm. Um, Which is a simplification. But yeah. Let's see. I can't remember if there's any, uh, seeing if there was any quotable articles or quotable bits from that. Mm-hmm. So it's, uh, yeah, I mean, this group, it's. I want to They're say a bunch that, of turds, boobs. They're a, a bunch of <laughs> in another lifetime. Like if I never kind of woke up to a lot of shit, I think I'd be really about this because it is kind of like edgy and it's it's underground, underground mm-hmm. to mm-hmm. A, uh, an extent. It's cool to a certain demographic. Um, are you are you still with me? Do uh, you want to listen to some clips from one Gabriel Wally? Is there a way I could get a quick bathroom break in? Yeah. I could actually, I could totally go for the same thing. So we're both going to do a quick little Sir Bemrose. And I'm we're going to Bemrose it right now. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm going to put a song on for everybody at home to nice. to, to check out why, uh, while we do that. Whoop. All right. We'll be back, folks. This is all Mickey Mouse shit, man. Well, uh, thank you for everybody uh, that's stuck around tonight. I want to say that this is probably one of the most fun episodes that uh, I've been um, lucky to be a member of, a part of. So special thought out, shout out to uh, a special thought out <laughs> to Lavish for joining us tonight. It's, um, oh, hello. Have a good night, Mama Barry. Thank you for listening. Thank you for being our number one fan. <laughs> thank you, Mama Barry. She says awesome show in the chats. So uh, that makes me that makes me happy. I like it. Oh, yeah. So we just went through uh, a lot of the projects. Again, there's tons of them. There's a there's I think over 40 drops or so. I want to say it's like they're on number 43, I believe. Um, They do a lot of weird shit. And the next series of clips come from the pre-hype podcast. And I want to apologize in advance for the quality of these clips because the whole gag behind this series, I guess, is they go out in public and do interviews in the wild. So there's a lot of background noise going on. Mm-hmm. But we should we should go ahead and get some insight behind Gabriel and some insight behind Mischief and see what they're really shooting for. I'll reveal everything. Uh, there, there are no secrets. So could you maybe make a little introduction? Yeah. My name's Gabe. Uh, I run a small company called Mischief. And really, at the end of the day, what mischief is, is an attention and fame machine. I started my career at BuzzFeed. I wasn't on the list team or the quiz team or the video team. There was a different team where the idea was, how do you create experiences and tell stories in different formats? That has long since shuttered, but I left and ended up creating mischief, which is 
sort of the continuation of that grand vision. But really, at the end of the day, I've always just been addicted to trolling people online in a healthy, positive, uplifting manner and figuring out how can I take technology and devices around me to create experiences that just get a ton of attention. And when I say that, I mean like getting on The Ellen Show, getting press, going true viral where people like have to actually share your stuff. You're kind of like a white hat troll. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Like if we love going after the bad guys, we love just sort of like making fun of culture, but in a way that's like not necessarily a downer, it's just sort of very insightful. Like in a way, I think mischief creates a lot of things that solve or address first world problems. And then we figure out how to monetize it from there. You know, I didn't catch this the first time, but I, I now now I realize the sort of irony <laughs> the oh. of uh, of them name dropping being on the Ellen show. <laughs> That's a good catch. Um, That's a good catch. Yeah. So, you know, like you said, it's not really about the money. Allegedly. We'll come it is back about to, the money. Well, let's be real. <laughs> Well, well, I was almost expecting him to say, I do it because I want to make money trolling people. I want to be able to make a living at at being an asshole. And have you ever heard of like a righteous troll? Is that a thing? Is there such a thing as a white hat troll? Like I know the, the terms and connotations that I hear about white hats or white helmets. Uh, that was just kind of super bizarre. It's like, yeah, we're going against the enemy. Well, who the fuck is your enemy then? <laughs> if you're just trying to sell products and the fucking experiences. Yeah. Who's making millions a year? Who's the bad guy here? Really? You know? Right. So, uh, we'll do some clip too. Oh, so even like before the brand started getting in touch, I was making things like, uh, let's see, Trump announced he was running for president. I bought friends who like Trump.com and redirected that to your Facebook graph of your friends who have liked Donald Trump. <laughs> and for like $11.99, that was my highest ROI project of all time. Because <laughs> within hours, the, you know, pretty much everything had shut down talking about that link. NPR like talked about on their show about how this was like dividing the country because it's like, Austri- honestly, I probably did more harm than good on that one and I apologize. It was stuff like that. Like, what what are the storytelling devices around us? How do I pull it together and do something that stands out beyond, like, an Instagram post or a blog? Another one was um, my, my wife and I were talking a lot about, like, the gender pay gap and how do we, like, bring light to that issue. So we created a tip calculator that deducts from the tip if your server identifies as female and it would deduct based on the percentage of the gender pay gap. That's funny. (laughs) And of course people were pissed when they heard about it, but then they were like, wait, I'm not mad at this. I'm mad at the status quo. Like I'm mad at the world that I live in. And we were able to create an app that told that story in an incredibly effective manner. Again, the ROI story, right? Zero audience. We didn't need it because it naturally aggregated millions of audience overnight purely as a function of the story. So, I I mean, I I guess I've never really been one to truly understand why something or how something can go viral. Uh, Just given with what happened last year and what we're currently going through, that's that's the sort of parallels that I'm drawing in my own brain. Uh, But they're not really connected, I don't think. It's just, I guess I'm traumatized by by viruses. By viral content? Is that what you mean by viruses? No, just like the word virus, viral. Yeah. Sure. We've had too much of that word, for sure. 
Um, Between computers and what we're going through. <laughs> just a glitch, man. Um, <laughs> the next one's 15 seconds long. I don't know what I would have clipped that's 15 seconds. Honestly, the, the bar is very low right now because everyone just expects a cute Instagram ad with like pastel colors and like really good lighting. Um, it doesn't take much to stand out. It's just people are very, very afraid to do it. Oh, right. <clears throat> Makes uh, like that Fire Island stuff where their people are selling their fucking FOMO, you know, that, that idea of the hype machine. Exactly. Exactly. These Silicon Valley types, they don't understand that they're, they're, they're crossing a threshold. For, for a very long time, they've been on top for about 20 years. They have been able to make a lot of money and have a lot of power. But now there's such a consolidation of, of money in this world. I mean, Facebook and Google and Apple and Amazon. all these companies, Microsoft, Amazon, they're the guys. And we can sit here and talk, of course, about how they're probably backed by the government in some way through intelligence, CIA, InQtel type of thing, you know. They are the the biggest companies in the world for a reason. It's because they have the blessing of the people that we talk about, whoever those people are, those very powerful, very wealthy people who actually run everything. And if you want to be in a certain club, if you want to be Bill Gates, if you want to be Jeff Bezos, you got to be part of the club. Bottom line, you got to kowtow to whatever their rules are and do whatever you you got to initiate yourself. Either buy in or be bought out. And buying in really is the bottom line. I mean, it's like if you can if you can willy nilly throw away a billion dollars, then you're in, and that's the bottom line a lot <laughs> of the time. And and the the real money, the real power in the world are the people that are just the closest to the money havens, and that's why we talk about central banks and we talk about oil men, and we talk about technocracy. Those are the people that have. And we even t- we, there's people we don't talk about that have a lot of money. Think about the people that make every Coke bottle, the commodities people, the people that make concrete, the people that are the biggest distributors of sand, you know, in an international market. These people are also incredibly wealthy, incredibly influential, incredibly powerful in a way that that is incomprehensible. And we talk about Instagram, we talk about Facebook and how powerful they are. How powerful is it if you controlled 50% of the world's industrial sand? And if you wanted (laughs) to operate with something like that, (laughs) or if you controlled the flow of Coke bottles, if your family was in charge of the the company that manufactured every Coke bottle and every Coke can, there's certain levels of power and influence that exist. It also exists in the meat industry as well. You know, that they're just pockets of wealth in the world that exist. And that's where the, that's where the juice is, man. That's where things happen. And when you're seeing something on seven o'clock news, that's making the front page. They're the ones who probably bought that space. They're probably the ones who are behind it because they're the ones who make the money. We should change the name of the show to behind the native ads, (laughs) (laughs) which are indeed schemes. No doubt about that one by any means. And now the sand is holed up. Cersei Sitter's right. The sand is holed up in the Suez Canal right now. You know, that's where the sand is. Jesus. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, So the next clip, uh, one of these, one of these, we're going to hit the fucking vein. Like, like we're fucking in the throes of it. I just, I can't remember which one it is. I need to be a little better about uh, tagging, like what the specific subject of these clips are. 
that way we, I would know in the future of like, yeah, we could probably skip this one because it touches on the same shit. Mm. Um, I, you know, it's it's coming together, man. It's coming together. But this is part four. Yeah. So what process do you follow when you try to come up with this thing? Does, do they just come to you? So it's there's a couple of things. I think as a company, the most important thing to do is, A, make sure it's a healthy creative culture because creatives can sort of have this pressure that, A, they need to compete with one another to have the best ideas. They can be extra hard on themselves. And it's also like incredibly subjective that you'll, you'll go to a lot of agencies and like creatively driven media companies and the culture actually sucks because it's just not healthy. So for me, it's how do I create the freedom to just like be the most creative version of yourself while also balancing that with structure and methodology to ensure that an output comes out. So uh, the best example is we have a whiteboard that's dedicated to spontaneity of ideas. I erase it every single Friday and put in an idea pool, which I have a process to like flow through and sort of cut down into our pipeline. But that's sort of a free space where at the end of each week, we sit in front of this whiteboard and we're like, what crazy shit did we come up with this week that had no rhyme or reason to like today I looked at it and someone wrote CBD infused communion wafers <laughs> which you might see here in a couple of months because I think the CBD game is about tapped out but that one might keep it alive um, so that's sort of like that's the system I have set up to sort of keep that creative energy always flowing we're just a bunch of hackers like we are we're culture hackers Everything is a storytelling device. Um, the power of distribution is pretty much infinite right now on the internet as we know it. Um, so it's it's a good group of people. The environment is healthy. And then I have these structured brainstorms, um, which I mentioned to you a bit last time, the idea of the FPP and the RPP. We do one of those brainstorms every week where the FPP is a fame-producing product. It's a chance for us to brainstorm around ideas that will basically just generate a lot of attention, get press, get, like, get a lot of shares and engagement. But we don't conflate that process with the idea of how do we monetize this? How do we boost retention? How do we boost growth? Because I like to create opportunities to just see where the magic goes and we can refine as we go. But the other side, the RPPs, those are revenue producing products where that set of brainstorming and all the thinking around those are more about, okay, how do we make sure it's still a mischief idea, but we're building like growth channels around it. We're distributing it. We're finding ways to monetize. So that one, that one's a little on the long side. Um, you know what I love about that type of talk is that it's like biblical. It's like modern biblical speak, the way these guys talk, these Silicon Valley types. Well, you heard them, you know, part of one of the new products that they're thinking about launch. And again, you know, religious iconography, the idea of uh, the communion wafer, you know, that's the body of Christ. So. It's so it's so hard on the nose. They are the new clergy, these people. Well, it it's uh man, I wish I had that fucking ISO, but uh <laughs> it's, it's a little culty. <laughs> well, and the, I always compare the Silicon Valley types, the dudes named Ben, I compare them to the clergy all the time because they speak a very sacred language that most people can't speak, but is very important to our world in the way that the the priests of old could read Latin and they could convey the Bible to the people before the times of Martin Luther. Now we have this tech shit where 
certain people can code and understand programming language, understand computers. Most people cannot, and they rely on these this very small group of people, you know, the Facebooks and the Googles and the IT people all the way down. It's got its own little hierarchy, and it all is the sacred language that, that everybody has to abide by, whether they want to or not. Well, let's hold on to that and, and take it a step further. And when you pair that with the concept that these massive social media companies are going to behave like gatekeepers that will control the flow of information and dictate what you're allowed. And dictate morality in the way the church used to. They're going to censor and they're going to they're going to actively try to influence the way that you morally think ethically yeah. live your life. It's a, it's a brave new religion. I, I, I don't know if that's like the, uh, just a fucking like meh way to, to approach it. But like yeah. I said, it's not the fantastical you got to worry about. It's the mundane. It's the stupid shit. That's what really bleeds into the world and changes shit. Well, and it's stupid shit like Facebook that will just fucking ruin all of us. <laughs> Well, hopefully Macedon will put two in the back of the fucking kneecaps at Facebook. I hope they give him the old hill dog, Clint dog. Yeah. I hope they give him the suicide three bullets to the back of the head treatment. Yeah, if I can dazzle him up in a red scarf or something, I don't know. Yeah, roll him up in a carpet. Yeah. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> um I think uh, I think number oh man if this is if it's clip number five where we hit the money I don't know what the fuck I'm gonna do. It has been oh, yeah. purely insight driven. Um, there hasn't been much of a like data backed approach to coming up with the ideas, and I actually think that's a strength, right? Because right now, the unfair advantage that we have is that pure black magic of figuring out what people are gonna love and being able to pour that fuel on the fire. Yeah. <sighs> Yeah, right. <laughs> Goodness gracious. We're trying to cube it, and uh, I don't know. That's dumb. It's, That's awful. I, and it's like, it's just right there. It's blatant. I will go ahead and plant this seed. Uh, it's the way that we'll wrap up the show, and uh, we're almost there. But um, I think in some regards, they're they're practicing black magic, but not in the ways that they're trying to present based off of this interview where it's this idea of anti-advertising, countercultural marketing. They they try to say that that's the chaos magic, that's the sort of black magic, um, which the two, I would, I would argue, are not necessarily really all that similar. Um, mm-hmm. Chaos magic and black magic are not similar, you say? Yeah, because I think chaos magic is something where you – you just you make up the or you define the sort of um, parameters of it on the go. Something like black magic to me strikes out as um, superstitious, not superstitious, but like, you know, the people that really get into Crowley and fucking the that sort of like low level Satanism where they they just they do like the sort of um, showy rituals. Mm-hmm. I want to say it's like. I don't I I would need to to make a better um fully fleshed out idea. I just I really do think that the, they're they're kind of similar but they're not they're like in the same family but they're not the same deal. How about that? Mm-hmm. Dwelled in them. Chaos magic is a tool could go either way. All right. I can dig that one. <laughs> um yeah. let's see. We'll let, we'll finish up with this. One. But in this next iteration of mischief the idea will be how do we figure out what people are into? But what there's less content about and sort of like where those intersect, 
and use that to sort of guide our brainstorms to just further like optimize the machine. I think at the end of the day, what mischief is going to be is this commerce engine that that pairs cultural trends and insights with products and then sets them up to distribute at scale in a way that embraces the decentralized nature of commerce. Because right now, the sales channels are, are becoming infinite. Like now you can start to sell on Instagram, you can sell on Amazon, you can sell directly on your website. I'm selling decapitated swans out of a bodega on Bowery right now. <laughs> So imagine if your products actually inspired people to create content and distribute them all over the internet, and at the same time you're you're actually like pushing something that you can sell. Yeah, and I think that is the future of like of, of honestly commerce in general, which is just leaning into that decentralized nature of content and commerce. And in the mischief way, ultimately what we'll have is a media and entertainment brand on top of this commerce engine. I guess the aims of these couple of clips i i really just want to sort of inflate what they think of themselves because i think they sell their ideas of themselves better than i could try and attempt to explain what they're doing these people think very highly of themselves they think they're extremely intelligent and that they are providing steadfast solutions to the world with their bullshit and they do kind of touch on the decentralized, uh, I guess, concepts of, of selling shit back and forth. Um, and there's some of that that I kind of resonate. I mean, that's what's hey, going on. They make a lot of money. So if you use that metric, you know, <laughs> I mean, like I wouldn't turn it down, but it's also eh, making a lot of money. It's not like it's not my drive. That just sounds like a lame ass. But, to- but honestly, Booberry, l- let me ask you this. You know, we're closing out and I haven't asked you an honest question. And I, I will ask you one right now. If you're in the position to make that kind of money and that kind of a job, or you you're a smart guy, you could you could easily do what these people do, which is sit around, make the right connections, you know, play along with this fucking thing that everybody else is doing anyway, and they just have the financial backing for it in the first place. Would you would you take up that kind of position, make unbelievable money, two hundred grand a year, something like that? If I could do it on a smaller scale, where it exists inside of these communities that I've um, either gotten to participate in, or came up in, or have visited in uh, as I've been traveling over the years, I could totally be absolutely one hundred percent behind something like this that operates on a, like a smaller scale. Um, you know, even even if it was just something where the art just just barely continues to fund the, uh, you know, piece after piece, like this whole idea of selling fucking $76,000 Birkenstocks, uh, sandals. They, they took Birkenstock bags and cut them up and made sandals out of them and then turned <laughs> around and sold them to Kylie Jenner for 76 grand, $76,000. Mm-hmm. Like that just sounds like a lot of bullshit. It's not something like, that's not something I want to be involved in. Like I just, you just know some piece of shit pulled that off. Uh, the well, Kelly Jenner shit. And think about the fucking the the laptop. I mean, that's a cool sort of piece of it's it's a cool artifact. They're selling artifacts. That's that's what this is. Mm-hmm. Totems of a certain religion. Oh yeah, totems. Shit. <laughs> it's like you all remember that dude, flip phones are becoming that now. Hey, if that if that protects you from a fucking vaccine passport, like let let's fucking explore it. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, most I can do is snake. <laughs> uh, eight pixel, 
You're all right. You're all right. You're in. 16 bit. Uh, well, uh, we, we only got three more clips out of this, uh, this show, and then we can kind of touch our heads together and see how we're feeling. But uh, this one's short. Sounds good. In the next, say, two years, we're going to see sort of a rebirth of like really incredible creative output, commercial output, content output, because I think all of this sort of goes in cycles. And right now, we've sort of commoditized literally everything to the point where we're annoyed, we're irritated, we're, we know that people are pulling tricks. And so really all that's left for marketers, product people, founders, entrepreneurs is to actually just put some soul back into their thoughts again. People feel the pain, like it's getting more expensive to acquire people on Facebook and the size of Facebook is decreasing. So- acquire people. Also, I feel like we had touched another clip earlier talking about installing soul into a project. Soul? Installing soul? Yeah, they were talking about like injecting soul, putting more soul. Yeah, um, yeah. I, I thought maybe there was something from the uh, Rose Garden that's uh well soul of course is the latin word for sun <laughs> all keeps coming up millhouse man keeps coming up millhouse baby yeah there's uh there's two more left of this they're both kind of long i, I want to i don't know do you feel like you've heard him posture enough or is there more you feel like you can gain from listening to him i could definitely laugh at this guy a little more i don't mind laughing at this guy a little more all right we'll do them both then I don't know if it's as much of a like Gen Z generational thing. It's just a response to everything looking the same. And you're going to start seeing that on Instagram too. The day of like the polished influencer who's like got the perfectly edited photo in front of like a LA brick wall with wings spray painted and the graffiti like that, that those days are actually quickly coming to a close because we're tired of the insincerity of it. It lacks soul. And I, people have actually written some thought pieces on this of um, we're going to start to see more influencers just making more brutal content, like quicker, less thought, less editing. But honestly, I think, you know, if if all the trends start heading in in that direction, all of a sudden everything will start to look the same again. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And we'll veer back. It's all a cycle. So it's just kind of like, can you identify where we are in the cycle? And either capitalize on it right now or prepare for the shift. And I think right now that like that shift is happening. So, so today you launched your first real homemade product. RPP. Yeah, and that's one for profit. Yeah, 100%. And what is it? So it's, uh, it's summer, right? People are planning for July 4th here in a couple weeks. They're going to the Hamptons on weekends. Influencer culture is at full tilt oh, yeah. right now the Hamptons. with the classic pool shot on a swan float. Here you go, sir, seat center. So naturally, my group of mischief is, we're like cynical in a playful way. We're just kind of over all of that. So we've designed and, and manufactured our own line of swan pool floats where the heads are detached from the bodies. <laughs> you can see like a red ring around like where the bones could be. It's, talking about it's not as gruesome as it sounds. And... No swans were harmed in the making of these. <laughs> I will say, I haven't seen the movie, but I feel like there's a Jay Dyer's deconstruction of the movie Black Swan. Um, I have also not seen Black Swan. But uh, I have heard that there's some heavy, heavy, heavy symbolism in the movie. And I, I guess it would be curious to explore on a later show because I don't have it. I don't have it pulled. 
what sort of symbolism exists behind a swan because he, he talks about it twice in this fucking interview. Mm-hmm. The first time in Sir Seat Sitter was like, whoa, whoa, whoa. In the chats, he's like, whoa, stop. Decapitated swans? Like, what the fuck? And, and that's the he's talked about decapitation before. He brought up decapitated swans before. Exactly. And I, and I thought that was obscure and, and kind of And he was he, he was talking about selling them at a bodega, but gave mm-hmm. zero context. He's just like, yeah, I'm selling these decapitated swan fucking heads. And he was down. talking about it in like a capitalistic sense, like, I'm a businessman. I decapitate swans and I sell them <laughs> at the bodega. Like that was his example of being like, I'm an astute business. I I didn't get that at all. That was very obscure. Um, so it's, uh, you know, instead what they've done is created these swan floats that have, uh, are, are decapitated swan bodies. And what they're doing is trying to fucking usher in the demise of the super high end fucking Instagram stars, Instagram Mm -hmm. model, the pastel fucking perfect lighting. I mean, if you, if you go and look at my Instagram of old, I've I've fucking ratcheted every setting up. I try to make everything look like shit. So there's definite parts of this that I'm like, fuck yes, I could get behind a decapitated swan uh, pool floaty. That sounds really fun. But when you mix it in with everything else that they've been talking about, the other products that they've been um, selling and marketing, shit gets a little weird. You say the same thing you've said a thousand times, which is there's too many coincidences here. Yeah, <laughs> it's, this this uh, this web is mighty sticky. It's a mighty sticky web. You know, this is this is starting to add up in some way. I'll finish this one off. Um, in my mind, this is what ends the influencer pool swan float trend. <laughs> I would love this to just be the death knell of that sort of. Uh, so are people buying the product or are they buying the Instagram moment of themselves looking yeah. interesting? It's a little bit of both, right? Yeah, we're trying to appeal to anything but your most pragmatic side of your brain because Amazon already owns that, right? Like yeah. there's there's no point in competing with that unless like that's just something you're really into. But apart from that side of your brain, there are so many other sides of your brain that you use to make decisions. That's how you fall in love. That's how you wake up one day and you quit your job or start a new life or move somewhere. All of the sort of inhibitions that we usually try to avoid but often lean into and that creates the magic of our own existence, right? Those are the stories that you look back on and you tell to people like 20 years, like 20 years ago, oh, I did this crazy thing and it was the best memory of my life. Right. Helps to push the unmute button. Um, yeah, yeah, these, these guys are, these guys are magicians. What, what sort of magic they're practicing up to debate, but they've talked about it several times, just like fucking Dan, the man from the first, second half of show, Mm -hmm. you know, they, they, they see it, they recognize it. Like they know how to utilize this magic and it's their whole business and they're reaping from it. They're making a ton of money from it. They think they're psychologists. They think that they are mass manipulators, which they are. They make a lot of money being mass manipulators. Well, uh, our our last uh, our last clip tonight uh, will uh, <laughs> just it'll illuminate exactly what happens to mass manipulators. But this is the last one of uh, of uh, Whaley from this interview. Is the mischief type of product marketing is that a young person's game? No, not at all. We're not creating commentary on youth culture we're we're creating commentary on like eternal human insights like we did this project with with casper 
where it was a website that would help you fake a social life on Snapchat from your bed because on Fridays I feel pressure to go out but sometimes I'm just too tired and I want to chill. That's an old person's yep. sentiment, right? Um, well, and it's not something that's just It's always it been that way for me. <laughs> and so that's not even something, like we managed to adapt it to this generation with the Snapchat angle, but the insight and the cultural commentary is actually rather eternal. And the best mischief ideas play into that. The font that I spoke about earlier, sure, it's about a font that are like resonates with high schoolers and college students but at the end of the day it's the story of like why do all the bullshit work when you can come up with a quick hack like get away with something pull like pull a fast one and these are the things that i think separate mischief like narrative driven products from pure stunts because they're based on insights that are a little bit more eternal than say logan paul going to times square and pulling someone's pants down on camera I mean, I would still argue they're still kind of stunts, but I'll, uh, yeah, I agree. I won't bust their balls too hard. <laughs> nah, go for it. They deserve it. <laughs> um, now it's, uh, if, uh, Malachi and Monty were here with us tonight, we could laugh about how this dude came from North Carolina. He actually attended, uh, the school of mathematics and sciences before he attended West Point. Um, so that's just like a quick little fucking piece of fun side trivia. Mm-hmm. But then again, like, you know, it's like, well, Jim Morrison's father was military and Janis Joplin's father was military and Jimmy. Jimmy Hendrix's yeah. dad was military. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, so, you know, it's like I, that's that's another I wouldn't say that's a glaring flag, but it's just like if you squint hard enough, you can barely see it up there. Um, well, you know what Jim Morrison's dad did, right? Yeah. Gulf of Tonkin. Yeah. That's gnarly. That's so that's so crazy to me. That's so funny. <laughs> that and the whole fucking uh god, what's the name of that installation outside of Los Angeles? Um Laurel Canyon. Oh my goodness. And I've I've uh talked to Fletcher about that through the the Zappa angle because Zappa Frank Zappa was in the Laurel Canyon scene unwittingly, in my opinion, but even though his dad, I think, was military as well. Well, he but was. He working, was saying, "Was sorry." He he worked on uh, like uh, radioactive projects. I thought. Is that it? He worked. On, his dad did. Yeah, that, I, there's some sort of like nuclear tie there because it was like speculation. That's what gave him the cancer that he died from was the just growing up around all that radiation, all that uh, atomic era. Yeah, exactly. radio technology, which is was blasting out these highway frequencies that destroy your DNA. Yeah, that makes sense. That makes sense. Uh, he was he was in the center of all that, the Laurel Canyon stuff. That's one of my favorite as a as a Californian. That's one of my favorite California conspiracies is the Laurel Canyon scene. If anyone hasn't read up on that, I would highly recommend it. Yeah, it's a <laughs> it's a fucking page turner. <laughs> it's a real oh, winner. Shit. Well, basically, you know, one thing people get wrong about the San Francisco Bay Area is there's so much military here. And everybody calls San Francisco hippy dippy gayville, you know, whatever, flower town. There's so much fucking military here. We're up to our fucking eyeballs in military out here. The Travis Air Force Base is one of the largest uh, Air Force bases, definitely one of the largest on the West Coast, one of the largest in the world. There's all kinds of old World War II foundation you can find all over the place. You can find old bunkers, old carved out artillery 
uh, bastions that lay on the on the seaside. If you go to San Francisco, you can tour all those for nothing for free. Like there's just it's nuts, and this place gets this whole rap of like oh you know you know you know the reputation this place has, and they they disguise it. I think it's part of the scene. I think that's part of the the lie that they perpetuate because this is really between here and L.A. We're the core of. And I would say Shasta Mountain. Those are the three main points. And then you've got the the Marines training out of San Diego. Uh, Marine, uh, Marine, uh, the the boot camp is in both San Diego and uh, Paris Island, which is, and I think somewhere in the south. <laughs> you know, now that I think about it, I, I feel like I've heard stories of people um, in San Diego seeing jets fly over at times. San Diego's big military. Yeah. Right by the border, West Coast. Oh, yeah. Uh, Blue Douche uh, 33 could tell you about it. He's an ex-Marine. We got a, we got a couple of ex-Marines in the no agenda community that tell you all about it. Hell, yeah. I, there's, a, there's a guy that we had on, uh, on our show. I think it was like episode 24, Don't Fuck With History, but he's a Ranger Special Forces and... Um, Oh my God, I'm blanking on the last one. Uh, the the high jump, the it's not paratroopers. Uh, airborne. Mm-hmm. So he was he was a triple tabber, um, <laughs> and he, nice. he he does a bunch of riding and stuff. I think he would be a, a great fit with just the the way he fucking <laughs> phrases his criticisms. It's really good stuff. There's no better perspective to have than someone who's actually been in the military and actually been the guy when you when you hear about all these you know fantastical wonderful military uh accomplishments that we have you finally meet someone that was part of it yeah and he was uh he did fucking granada and goddamn uh desert storm so Mm -hmm. he's Mm -hmm. he's uh that was a cool conversation i can't wait to get him back on oh yeah you got to get him on good information to have get it straight from the horse's mouth with the as far as military is concerned yeah just chat them up, see what they have to say. Well, I've known them for a super long time. We were uh, part of the part of the same reenacting group growing up. Well, I was growing up. He he'd been there for almost his whole life. So, what what era of reenactment was it? Revolutionary War. Okay, cool, cool. Seventeen seventy six in your coffee. Absolutely, a little eighteenth century reenactment. There's nothing wrong with it. I understand. I I grew up doing uh, not. Too wittingly, through my mom, I ended up doing a lot of um, medieval and Renaissance reenactment. Oh yeah, the the Renfair. SCA was the main outfit that we rolled with, the Society of Creative Anachronisms, which was uh, generally a feudalistic era reenactment. So we'd have tents and tunics and well, sword fighting, things like that. We should hold on to that one for our uh, second episode together. <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. Let's uh I just want to kind of poke a hole in their whole concept of fucking chaos magic. Um but at the same time illuminate what sort of black magic they're practicing. The marketer we're talking about today, who I think is the most interesting marketer you've never heard of, is Gabriel Whaley. This is him right now playing piano on his YouTube channel with 6 subscribers. But Gabe isn't a YouTuber. He's a marketer and in his element, he's unstoppable. I guarantee you've seen his products before, even if you didn't know it was his company, Mischief, which created them. He's been featured everywhere. He's got $10 million in venture capital backing. See, Mischief creates a new product every two weeks. It's completely random, and they push it on their website where they have a countdown timer for each new drop. One week, they're selling Jesus shoes, which are literally Nikes filled with 
holy water from the Jordan that lets you walk on water, literally. Uh, and the next week, they're creating Times Newer Roman, a type of font which is identical to Times New Roman in every way, except it's 13% wider. And their products aren't just very different from each other. They're also different in price. Some of their products make a lot of money, like their Jesus shoes, which cost $1,400. Sometimes they're free, like the Times Newer Roman font. And sometimes the product loses mischief money, like in the case of a mystery box, which cost $100. But if you held onto that mystery box for 100 days and sent it back to mischief, they'd give you $1,000. Literally a 900% return, which obviously most people assumed immediately was a scam. And I probably would have too. But 100 days later, they actually paid out the people who got the mystery box. I'm going to go ahead and uh, awful. assume <laughs> assume you got an idea of what the mystery box looks like. I, you, you can check the link that I just dropped again into the show notes to, to confirm that notion. <laughs> Let's check it. <laughs> Let's check it, see if it matches my... <laughs> it's got a big yellow thing that says sold out in front of it. It looks like the box of like a power supply for a PC. Where is this thing? Oh, is it, uh, so my page is showing a video that plays in the background. Um, let's see if I can uh, get a picture of it. It's a... Sorry. I'm getting a little Sir sp- Bemrose VPN 6969. Call now. It's good for you. It just dropped the picture there. I'm getting a little spicy. Yeah, it's got the... Okay, there you go. <laughs> we got ourselves another black cube, ladies and gentlemen. All right. So you know the yellow and black connection, right? Yeah, from MoFax. From MoFax. What did what, what, what did he talk? Which episode did he talk about? I listened to a lot of MoFax, but I can't remember I specifically. I want to say it's the Black Incorporated one where they dive behind uh, Black Lives Matter and their sort of communistic ties. Um, but at the end, if you if you look at a lot of the memes that are that exist around Black Lives Matter, especially with the streets that they paint uh, with the banner. They use yellow, um, mm. and I feel like that color yellow shows up a lot. But it, uh, if I remember correctly, I'm probably misquoting to a big degree. It's something along the lines of yellow is sort of a reactionary, energetic. Um, well, I mean, it's it's the color of our of our sunlight. Mm-hmm. And then you look at how you've got the black cube and these sort of Judaic Christian religions. Um, Another symbol for Saturn is the sickle and and, and hammer. Mm-hmm. If you look at the astrological symbol, you'll see sickle and hammer. Right. And that is the communist flag. So I, I don't know. I, I haven't figured it out. I don't think I'll ever figure it out. But it certainly seems at both ends of, of the spectrum between uh, highly, highly religious and the highly collective, because communism has no place for religion, from what I remember. Um, it's a it's its own religion, right? On both ends, you find this fucking black cube, Saturnic spell. Right. And with the yellow and black, yeah, you have the, the most striking color against a black background. Something that really catches your attention. Like you said, it represents the sun, so we get the false sun aspect. But there's also the bee, which is a very important occult symbol. The the black and yellow also represents the the bee, the honeybee. Wow. Okay. And if you and if you uh Bill Cooper has a has a good bit about the the opening of uh of two thousand one the Space Odyssey, when the apes first find the obelisk, that the sound that you hear as the apes approach the obelisk and they obtain 
uh, human consciousness and they're able to, you know, cohese as a, as a society, you hear the humming of bees and the, and the humming of bees intensifies as they get closer and closer to the obelisk. And the bee in ancient society represents uh, cohesion, societal cohesion. It represents people working together and it represents hive mind, hive mind. Wow. Holy fuck. Exactly. And uh, a very natural animalistic instinct that is in the bee that is not in a lot of other things that don't operate as a sort of a community in the way, you know, answer another example of something that operates in in a, a very large quantity and they all have some sort of mechanism where they can all communicate and they all know what the deal is. They're all on the same page. And that is something that apes at some point developed. And that developed into humanity. Right. Because the lizard people came down and started fucking with our DNA. And exactly. they created. <laughs> Essentially, they did the Guar storyline where they came from outer space. They fucked the monkeys and created humans. And that's what the Bible is. That's the, <laughs> that's the Old Testament. That's what it is. That's Genesis is that. It's basically a story about aliens coming down, fucking monkeys, and and we are the result. One wild and drunken night in proto-Earth. Humanity is nothing but a fucked up science experiment, my friend. And it's a it's a it's a hell of a time to be alive. <laughs> hell yeah. Well, we uh we are running hella long. My apologies. I, you know, it's, I just, both of these topics seem to work so well together that I didn't want to split them up. Well, no need to apologize to me. I had a great time and I could do this forever. And I, I, if you'll have me back, I'd be happy to do it again. Well, I certainly want to get you back on as soon as possible. There ain't no, ain't no question about it or however there is, there is no question about it. There exists no question. Yeah. There is there. That is the question. What is the question? <laughs> That's correct. This is correct. That's the answer. <laughs> well, let's uh, let's see how many answers we can find in the last couple of these uh, mischief clips. Number one, it doesn't feel like this is a company selling to you. It rather feels like a couple mad scientists or something. And it's all because of their products. The product. they, they aren't always selling, you know, like literally sometimes it's free. Sometimes they're losing money. Uh, and they're willing to do that because they want a cult following of people who are willing to just sign up for their app, give them their info, and then eventually just follow every drop so they can get money on the back end of that. The second thing that ties all these ideas together is their insane potential for virality. And I know virality is like a weird buzzword that no one understands. Huh, let me buzz. put it this way. Every single drop Mischief does, you can see a headline being written about it immediately. And there always are headlines written about it. Like, for example, take uh, this, this chicken bong. A pipe for cannabis that squeaks when you smoke it. I mean, I shouldn't even have to explain why that's going to go viral, like, immediately. The third reason that ties all these things together is true scarcity. So Mischief, this is, like, one of the most genius parts of their business model, is most of their products are shut down in two weeks because they have to launch their new product. And this means that people are constantly watching their product, waiting and getting excited about these drops. Scarcity is often closely tied to demand. And I know a lot of gurus, they fake this stuff, but these people are legitimately selling out of almost all of their products. And look, here's the thing. <laughs> I couldn't, I couldn't not <laughs> cut that out. And look, here's the thing. Uh, a couple of keywords to know in that clip, cult, guru, like, uh, I mean, I'm all for cult followings of underground stuff, 
Um, but this shit, it's it's kind of transcend to the next level. It's passed through the gates gates of light. Exactly. It's it's gone too far. <laughs> it all ties back to your opening clip that you had, where all men who follow this is my translation of it. I'm paraphrasing. All men who follow the ways of Satan to try and attain glory, the Hitlers and the Steve Jobs and the Bill Gates of the world, the people who will do anything to get that glory, they all find the same thing, the same thing that Mussolini found, the same thing that Saddam Hussein found. It all leads to one end. And these people, they want that. They're asking for it. They're begging for it. It's a sad time. It's always been, I guess. But yeah. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, and they'll they'll fucking upend the earth for it. They will. And you up- know what? They'll get ripped apart. <laughs> they'll get drawn and quartered, my man. Trust you, me. Not by you or me. I'm not saying that we're no. That's not what I'm saying. I'm just saying that everybody gets theirs in the end. That's yeah. that was what your opening clip was trying to convey, and that's how I feel about these people. And yeah. you know, no matter how much you fuck with the past and you fuck with history, the annals of time, they don't forget, I don't think. That's sort of my little shining light, I guess. It's like, you know, there's there just has to be a point where, you know, it it, it always comes to where your your karma just fucking kicks back in your face and it, it it did end up being for nothing. You know, no matter how hard you try and stack the numbers or stack the dice, fucking generation after generation. I just, I think it's it's really pulling that rubber ba- band back to just fucking knock a tooth out. <laughs> yeah. Knock your teeth out, son. Yeah. Yeah. All knock, goes back to Icarus. Yeah. Fuck, fuck your fucking lizard fangs, you lizard fuck. <laughs> Do you know what sucks about lizards is they grow teeth back. I fucking hate those guys, man. You knock their teeth out and they grow them back. Fuck them. Uh, <laughs> that's all right. That's all right. Well, let's uh, let's really find out what these motherfuckers are about. How the hell are these people going to make money? I mean, it's great that you built a little uh, weird internet project collective with your buddies. Uh, but how are you going to, where are you going to make the bread from, right? Because if you're constantly running scarcity-driven advertising, where, where does the money eventually come from? You need a sustainable form of income. But so far, Gabriel Whaley, their founder, has been cryptic. He says that people ask him all the time, wait, why wouldn't you double down on that? You would have made so much money talking about the products that work. And he says, but that's not why we're here. In other words, he doesn't see his uh, company as like, he says it's really not supposed to make money. And that makes sense. Look. Part of their brand is being sort of counterculture, being sort of like the anti-marketing marketers. At the end of the day, you do have to make money. So I got really curious because, you know, here you have these great marketers who seem to not be making any money or care about making much money. And so I looked into it. I wanted to know what's going on here. Like every other, you know, person who thinks mischief is interesting. How are they going to do this? Because they're stuck in this scarcity model. And unfortunately, it's their bread and butter. So you might be thinking, how, how can they literally sustain themselves? Uh, there was something on there that really caught my ear, but the the way he was popping his peas, it it made me fucking get distracted. It seemed like a bad microphone he was using. Yeah, damn it. He didn't he didn't have the proper technique. Um. Oh, how how can you how can you how can counterculture and brand exist in the same phrase? These these ad guys, man, they, they rule the world. They rule the world. These ad guys, it's all about catchphrases. They'll throw them together. It's like an omelet. <laughs> it's like, oh, you want a little climate change, a little something, a little, a little uh, you know, lead certified, you know, environmentally sanctioned construction. You want this, you want that. 
throwing all a little on it for you just so just so you can impress everybody with you how how conscientious you are of the environment just uh just grease my pan there a little bit for me eh buddy yeah just throw <laughs> on about 45 to 50 percent to your fucking bottom line and we'll call it square yeah that's that's how these things pan out my man it's a it's a strange thing i'm familiar with the construction world and they have that sort of thing a lead certified which by the way adam brought up two shows ago on no agenda and it totally I got all giddy like a schoolgirl. He started talking about lead certification, uh, which is the construction certificate where you you got all these rules where it's like you can't you can't use paint that's been manufactured further than five hundred miles away. You have to use local wood. You know the the paint can't have certain amount of toxic elements in it. All this shit. So you can have this badge, and it shows oh, people yeah. that you. You you did it. You you're environmentally sound. You did the work. But it cost everybody involved forty percent more time, more money, just so you could have that. It's it's a strange thing. And that's what I tie into all this sort of all the environmental stuff, all the tech stuff, it's all a tax write off. It's all just a reason to to wash the money and make more money and it's Bill Gates is making so much fucking money off of this stupid shit. <laughs> Fauci, they're they're making so much money right now, hand over fist, and nobody will like call them out on it. They're making twenty to one, and the, and each one of them put billions into like Bill Gates put like three four billion dollars into the you know into vaccines over the course of 15, 20 years. Well, and he's uh, making 20 to 1 on that shit. Man. Lucky lucky you, I got a specific quote for that one. That's a 10. <laughs> yes. <laughs> oh, yes. Oh, yes, my man. <laughs> uh, well, uh, I, this, is, this is the part where it starts to fall apart for me in a, in a big way. <laughs> this is Circo Global. It's a company that I initially found... And I thought was literally stealing the ideas of Mischief because it creates a bunch of products that are uh, similar to what Mischief has done, but slightly different. For example, the fried chicken bottom that we talked about earlier, uh, which used to be called Puff the Squeaky Chicken, is now being called and sold as the original fried chicken bomb. It's the exact same product, same kind of marketing. Um, and so I was kind of outraged at first. I was like, man, these guys have these great ideas and they're getting stolen by these Circo Global jerks. But I quickly had a realization. And go with me for a second here, guys. I know there's going to be conspiracy land here. Pepe <laughs> Sylvia time. What if mischief Pepe is Sylvia. a front for a genius new kind of business model? A thousand IQ, okay? Big they brain. pitch ideas, new ideas on the front end, right? Every two weeks. And they have these diehard fans. You know, each product is building hype. Uh, and the ones that do the best with their diehard fans... They then resell through a much more corporate shop that's unaffiliated and not tied to scarcity, like repackaged under a new brand. That way they can iterate through a bunch of ideas with like mega scarcity using their like devoted diehard audience who's like really into them. And the ones that stick, they can sell forever just through this new company slightly modified. I mean, it's pretty good business model if that's true. Now, of course where's the proof, right? Like Circle Global, you look up Circle Global and Mischief, they're not tied where's together. In fact, Circle Global is like, at, you can't find a contact information besides like contact at circleglobal.com or whatever. It's like really hard to find out who these guys are. But you guys know me. You know that I won't stand for that. I had to do a little digging. And here's what I found 
piece of evidence that supports my theory. It was actually pretty easy what he did. He, he kind of makes it a, you know, a big deal. He, he did the work. It, it paid off. Um, this video is actually probably the most between this and the podcast. I was like, wow, I feel like I've learned so much about these motherfuckers. <laughs> um, but yeah, essentially they've got another company that they take the products that they can continue to market and sell and fucking sell them through that. So like you're just, fucking you know spouting off this all this like you know we're collective and you know we're very much about the ideas and we're not interested in the money uh the money but yeah you're turning around and you're just you're you're fucking hawking this other shit like why not it would hurt the image of mischief to come out and say like hey this is our totally like normie thing that we do that's not this cool hip trendy underground counterculture a hype machine. Mm -hmm. That's the black magic, in my opinion, that they present as this hip company, but in turn, they're doing exactly what, you know, I, I, sorry, I did the thing, but what they, what they're doing is they're, they're participating in, (laughs) in everything that I feel like a lot of these motherfuckers would want to fight against, which is just big business. They are the exact thing that they, build their whole mission statement around fighting. Exactly. Yeah. So that's the black magic part. Um, and, uh, Oh shit. What was this last? Uh, we'll, we'll do this last one for, uh, for this video. Basically I found this, I found a patent application or sorry, trademark oh, application right. for Circo industries, Proves LLC it. for something they call the curse collar. Now the curse collar is another, uh, sort of ripoff of one of mischief's idea called the cuss collar. Same premise. It's a dog collar that uh, cusses or swears when your dog barks, okay? So there's a trademark application out on it, and there's an address listed. 58 South, 6th Street, Brooklyn, New York. Uh, that's interesting. If we could find out what Mischief's address is, that'd be perfect. Well, oops, looks like that Mischief box actually has a shipping address listed on it. So Saturn's that you can return Cube. Your little box for money. What does it say? Little box for money. 58 South, 6th Street, Brooklyn, New York. So I think that basically seals it. Uh, Circle Global is mischief, basically. Or at minimum, they're like a sister company, and this is how they're making their money. They're running like their front operation through mischief, you know, launching products every two weeks. Some of them they sell, some of them they don't. But then the best-selling products, the most viral products that have a lot of backing behind them, I think they're going to go resell through Global, Circle Global, under like a new name. So it's not tainting like they're like cool viral brand. Um, and I think that's dope, honestly. I, I don't see that as a problem personally. I'm happy to know that they're building out their business in a sustainable way. I think most people who like the internet being a f- more fun, interesting, creative place would agree with that. Uh, because if you look at all their products, like they're some of the most interesting people on the internet right now. They also, uh, shit, what, uh, Dos Equis, is that, is that the most interesting man or most interesting beer for the most interesting yes, man? Yes, I, I don't always drink beer. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I mean, that's that's kind of the charade behind the company. That's it. <sighs> now, uh, sort of to, to close it off, I've got uh, three pieces here. First, are you familiar with uh, Ordorowski? He was the original sort of figurehead behind doing the Dune movie, the first iteration of it. Oh, gosh. Uh, What year was the first iteration? In the 60s? 
no, I want to say they, they were trying for it in the 70s. They never made the movie. There was this whole they, – they did do a documentary many, many, many years later. Um, was the was the product was it ever produced as a show or as a just as a or, book? Or? Actually, they had the scripts and storyboards that they treated like a graphic novel, and it's a tome. It's a fucking like this dude I'm talking about. All I um I always fuck up his last name Hordorowski. He he did movies like um oh, shit. I'll pull it up here in a second. Um, he's this a is awesome. He's a fucking real deal warlock, alchemist, tarot card reader, like. I think this dude is the fucking shit. He has a type of magic called psychomagic, which I, I had to pull the book out. I haven't read through it, but I know some about it just looking at his at his movies, right? And what mm. psychomagic is all just like, it, it's literally bending reality to the will, the will that you need it to operate in, in that very moment. And like part of the, the stuff that they do in, in his book called psychomagic um, they like, we're, we're going to cross this part of the country in a straight line and we can only go in a straight line. We're poets. Like this is, it's not, it's not, it, it's a combination of psychology, poetry, magic, intent. It's some really amazing stuff. Awesome. Highly recommend it. Um, he has a quote in that book and I'm going to need you to pull the stuff that you had in your back pocket out. Um, we can go ahead and discard the piano, the piano card. Um, the clip that we started all of this off of was Gabriel playing his piano at his house. We mm-hmm. heard him playing piano in the, uh, that mischief video, uh, that, that last one that we just went through. He's a very talented artist. I will give him that. Um, the other card that we're holding is the, the, <clears throat> at the end of the Jesus shoe clip, they were talking about putting gold on the bottom of your souls, right? Mm-hmm. Gold it's nuggets. Gold yeah. nuggets. I didn't catch this until we listened to it through this, uh, through tonight's show. But the quote that I pulled from psycho magic, a young man complains of quote living in his head. He explains that he is unable to quote, take hold of reality and to quote advance in the direction of financial autonomy. I take his word for it and advise him to find two pieces of gold and paste them to the soles of his feet. He'll walk on gold all day. This should allow him to leave his head, put his feet in reality in advance. In this example, I took hold of the terms used by the client himself. That's what the, this group is practicing in my in my mind is this fucking selling like promotion of an idea like this. Uh, it's it's psycho magic, not chaos magic. It sounds kind of like what what people associate with Jesus walking on water. This is like the same intonation. You're walking on gold. Because that's what the walking on water has evolved to in our modern language, right? When you say someone's walking on water, you're saying that they're lucky or that they're Oh yeah, totally. They're 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 they're, they're privy to some sort of privilege. This is the uh the idea. You're walking on gold, you're walking on water. Yeah. I like it. I like that. That's a that's a modern parable. Well, this is the beauty of human imagination. <laughs> If uh, <laughs> if you dig that quote, I did find a full link to the book, and it's sitting in the show notes, and it's probably going on my immediate to read list. Um, Excellent. The movie that I was going to just this is a really quick side note. The movie I highly recommend y'all want to check out if you want to get into this dude is The Holy Mountain. It's going to melt your brain. Your head might explode. I don't want your blood on my hands. It'll be okay. Go check it out. <laughs> the clapping noise. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
Um, Good. So we're down to our last two clips. I, I did find a clip of Gabe at the tender young age of 18. And you can, well, let's see if, let's see if we hear the same thing. I'm Gabe Whaley. I'm 18 years old. I'm from Midland, North Carolina, and I'm the captain of the soccer team. I decided to come to NCSSM because I needed the challenge. Um, back in my old school, I was a lot less prone to come out and meet people, talk to people. From the first day that I got here, I was a new junior. I had no idea where to go or what to do. And I was in my room and I looked out the window onto the field and there was a bunch of guys just playing soccer. And I was like, wow. So I went down and I started playing. I learned some guys' names, found out they had tryouts in a week. Winning the state soccer championship was, that was, that was a big deal. A lot of people saw us as a surprise when we walked onto the championship game. The other team, really strong. They had scored something like over 100 goals in the season. We played our hearts out. I mean, the other team might have had a little bit more skill, but we fought and we got one and we won it. So that was a big deal. Being a unicorn here at NCSSM is something like being a myth. Uh, not a lot of people know exactly what's going on, but what they do know is that we left our families and our homes to strive for that higher goal. Higher power. On Hall, we have this, these things called man sessions, and what they are is a completely unplanned event where the guys on Hall get together in a room and we discuss what's going on in each other's lives. If we got something to laugh about, we laugh about it together. If we got something to yell about, well, you'll hear us downstairs. It's just something that it adds to the whole family away from home experience that I really, really want to remember 25 years from now. The NCSSM experience is, is just friends, it's athletics, it's academics, it's the teachers, student activities, all of it tied together it truly makes an experience that you can't find anywhere else. It's a little culty. I, um, I don't want to be culturally insensitive here. But I think <laughs> I think there's a, there's a lot of people out there that I think would agree with me, and I mean this in the lightest way, in the most lightheartedest way possible. But that was very gay. <laughs> <laughs> that was maybe the gayest thing I've heard all week, and uh, so. I just want to put that out, and I mean that in, a, in in the best way possible. It's okay. Spend money on the cum. Live and let live, man. <laughs> yeah, so, you know, he definitely, like, he knows how to have these conversations, impromptu fucking meetings with people. Like, I don't, I don't buy his fucking quote-unquote antisocial persona. Uh, I don't buy his white hat troll. I think it's all just a fucking act. And, uh, that's, that's, that's the fucking, that's the spiel. That's, that's it. The only, hey, the only, if th- this guy's happy, then that's great. Well, you know, unfortunately we, we, we have to turn to one of the patron saints of the green room. Um, I know I haven't really talked about him all that much. He comes up occasionally. Uh, but let's take a minute and give it up for one, Mr. Bill Hicks. By the way, if anyone here is in advertising or marketing, Kill yourself. It's <laughs> a little thought. I'm just trying to plant seeds. Bill motherfucking One hits. day they'll take root. I don't know. You try. You do what you can. Kill yourself. Seriously, though. Job you are, dude. Uh, Seriously. No, really. There's no rationalization really. for what you do, and you are Satan's little helpers. Okay? Kill yourself. Seriously. 
You're the ruiner of all things good. Seriously. No, I'm, this is not a joke. You're gonna, it's going to be a joke coming. There's no fucking joke coming. You are Satan's pawn, filling the world with vile and garbage. You are fucked and you are fucking us. Kill yourself. It's the only way to save your fucking soul. Kill yourself. Throw yourself in the sea. Plant seeds. I know all the marketing people are going, he's just doing a joke. There's no joke here whatsoever. There's no joke. Suck a tailpipe, fucking hang yourself, borrow a gun from a yank friend. I don't care how you do it. Jesus. Rid the world of your evil fucking machinations. Fucking throw yourself off a cliff. Whatever, you know what I mean. Shotgun mouthwash. I know what all the marketing people are thinking right now, too. Oh, you know what Bill's doing? He's going for that anti-marketing dollar. That's a good market. He's very smart. It's a good market. That's a good demographic. Let's go over that anti-marketing oh, demographic. Man, I am not doing that, you fucking evil scumbags. Oh, you know what Bill's oh. doing now? He's going for the righteous indignation dollar. That's a big dollar. A lot of people are feeling that indignation. We've done research. Huge market. He's doing a good thing. God damn it, I'm not doing that, you scumbags. Quit putting a goddamn dollar sign on every fucking thing on this planet. Ooh, the anger dollar. Huge. Huge in times of recession. Giant market. Bill's very bright to do that. God, I'm just caught in a fucking web. Ooh, the trapped dollar. Big dollar. Huge dollar. Good market. Look at our research. We see that many people feel trapped. If we play to them and separate them into the trapped dollar... How do you live like that? I bet you sleep like fucking babies at night, don't you? What'd you do tonight, honey? Oh, we made, uh, we made uh, arsenic uh, childhood food now. Good night. Yeah, we just said, you know, is your baby really too loud? You know. Yeah, it'll, you know, the mums will love it. Yeah. Sleep like fucking children, don't you? This is your world, isn't it? And the easiest place to take that uh, as far as advertisers and the magic that they can weave on their fucking spidery, sticky webs. Just listen to No Agenda. Listen to the fucking threads that JCD has caught. Just the way that fucking Pfizer is able to work their magic. The way that these medical, the pharmacological industrial complex is able to fucking get out there and get people to shill on behalf of the machine it's it's fucking well i mean we just had to listen to bill hicks himself talk about it you know it's uh okay i i <laughs> bemrose you for real and i'm really sorry no about that. do it please <laughs> i had to it was a it was an emergency it's uh yeah i was just talking like uh the way jcd has been able to tie the threads together with pfizer and uh, Moderna and their marketing campaigns and their fucking advertisers and their it's that's black magic. The marketing is black magic. Yes, absolutely. It's it's institutionalized black magic. Yeah, <laughs> that almost sounds racist. <laughs> <laughs> just not quite. <laughs> well, <laughs> that's what traditional satanic black magic. Sick shit. <laughs> institutionalized slave magic. <laughs> Enslaved. <laughs> Enslaved magic. It's it's really bad. I mean, uh, part of the part of the race thing that's going on, which of course is in a lot of ways justified because black people and brown people really do get a fucking raw deal. And they they really do suffer in a, in a way that that white people don't suffer. But at the same time, they use it as a as a way to to distract you from the fact that we all suffer and that we all get screwed in the same way on a certain level. 
there's a it's, a, it's such a complex topic, you know? Right. And I, I think Mofax is definitely over the target when he pulls those clips where he's discussing this sort of uh, magic behind victimization and Psy, mm-hmm. I think it was S I G H. Um, which those would be, those would be handy uh, clips to have on hand. I should mm-hmm. write a note. Actually, <laughs> I keep sticky notes at my desk. Um, but yeah, that's uh that covered everything. We made it through damn near everything tonight, except for that uh, world economic forum video. Um, we covered so much ground tonight. We, we did a full, you, you did so great, man. You're so good at this. I loved being on this show. I'm so glad you invited me, man. I, I'm a, I'm I am internally eternally grateful that you chose to came with on with us tonight. Uh, I really appreciate it. I will do it anytime, anytime at all. You need any kind of uh, any kind of anything. I'll, I'll I'll be happy to oblige. Hell yeah! And uh, maybe just to get your nipples just a little wet for next time. I got this article about communism and and magic that I've been sitting on for a long ass time. So get that to look forward to. <laughs> All right, I'm ready. I love I love talking about communism. <laughs> <laughs> let's uh let's get us some music going in the green room. Word uh, up. So thank you everybody for listening tonight. We've had a fucking hell of a time. It's been amazing. This might be my favorite episode so far. <laughs> so much fun. There's a lot of fucking good information and a lot of weird shit. There's a lot of fucking light and lavish going on tonight. <laughs> Love it. Thank you very much for having me, man. Absolutely. Super appreciate it. Absolutely. Um, if, uh, if y'all are still hanging out with us this long, thank you so much. You listening means everything to this show. Quirkest, Wadnum, Sir Spencer. Love you guys. Hell Mama, yeah. Mama Berry. I saw Midas in there too. Midas. Yeah. I think this might be our busiest green room yet. Uh, you can go to our website, behindtheschemes.com, SCH3M3S. You can listen to the show. You can check out the Scaly Show. That's our radio stream. You can check out the chat room. Uh, we'll have a link going to the Substack and a Sphinx link so you can join that tribe there. And it's just all communication. It's communication with your favorite podcasters, and it's not just going to be us. It's going to be shows like Bowl After Bowl, which it already is. Sorry. It's going to be shows like Hog Story, Fun Fact Friday, Nick the Rat, so on and so forth. It's going to be, it's a fucking white hot future of uh, podcasting. We're riding the V8 Interceptor into the fucking future, my friends. Hell yeah. White hot. Mmm. Well, uh, do you got anything you want to plug, or are we uh, calling it a night? Shit, dog. I ain't promoting dog shit, dog. Just promote nothing. It's just me. I'm lavish. Job less. Thanks for thanks for hanging out. And I've been Booberry Mothman of the Miniocalypse, and this is behind the schemes. 